Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we are closing out Pride Month this year by welcoming on someone who has laid a path in the Las Vegas scene for all of the uh, outstanding queer talent that we are seeing uh, rise out of that area currently. One, Tommy Purr, the man diva. Um, very excited to get a chance to sit down with with Tommy, who is you know, 12 years in pro wrestling uh, at this point. Um, has been doing a lot of really awesome stuff in Vegas, especially, you know, his recent work with, with pride style now has been really fun to watch. Um, and we talk all about all of his career, everything from, you know, his rivalries with Mariah Moreno and Shelly Martinez, all the way up through like his work in Salt Lake city as well, um, up to pride style now. And just a really great conversation, uh, really awesome to get a chance to sit down and, and talk with him about his career. So, we're not going to waste any time here on the intro. Let's jump right into that conversation with Tommy Purr. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who has made a name for himself in both the Las Vegas and Salt Lake City wrestling scenes. Someone who has uh, really... I would say in some instances carved a path for a lot of people uh, in the Las Vegas scene specifically as well. Um, and we're going to see him getting back into the ring again for pride style coming up on Friday, June 30th at uh, diverse violence, diversified Two, teaming with kid Isaac going up against uh, Damien desire and Richie Coy. Please welcome to the show, the man diva, Tommy Purr. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm. I'm. It's been a. It's been a big day for for us here, um, at Outsports. I mean, the show isn't associated with Outsports anymore, but you know, we released our Power 100 list today, so it's been a busy, busy <laughs> day for for me on my end. But uh, I'm glad to get the chance to sit down and talk with you because I've been I've been looking forward to have a chance to to speak with with you, Tommy, because. You know, over a decade in in the pro wrestling game at this point, you know, you've made a name. Like I said, the intro, you've made a name for yourself in Las Vegas and Salt Lake City, in in other spots in the country as well. Um, and you've you've been so um, prolific during that time, but but also you've been a very outspoken figure for for the for the community at times as well, which is yes. just as valuable as we continue to grow in our presence in pro wrestling. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> sorry, I was waiting to answer questions, so I try not to not to step on on anyone while while uh, talking. Uh, I have a tendency to do that, so I'm just waiting for the, the go ahead of when to speak. So you're you're good. <laughs> do your thing. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. I have that issue as well. So I think there's always like a, I understand the thought process. No, but huh. um, and and I want to. You know, I guess we could start kind of at the beginning. This feels like a, an apt part, place to start there. But um, talk to me about like when you discovered pro wrestling and how it kind of came something that really you latched onto. Oh, geez. I feel like I answer this with every podcast. It is the standard trope yeah. interview. No, no offense to how, how you structure things at all. 
Uh, but if I sound completely bored or disinterested, it is not because of you. It is because I have answered this so many times. Um, and to me, I'm like, ah. <laughs> I completely um, understand. <laughs> yeah, it is not you. I, I literally, this is always like the stock. Anyone, it, like, it, first of all, if this is your first time listening to a wrestling podcast, this is the stock answer to the diving board. So I'm sure we'll go off into different tangents. But uh, I never really watched wrestling until 1998, shortly after WrestleMania 14. Um, a family friend of my parents uh, named Tony came by, and um, I wasn't out yet. I think I was like, how old was I? It was 1998. I turned 14 in 2000. So yeah, I was like 12. And um, he came by and he was, uh, Monday Night Raw was on and he was going to watch wrestling. And um, he was like saying, oh, there's this hot chick. You're going to love Sonny. Sonny's so hot. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm just going to say first and foremost, I can't fucking stand Tammy Lynn Sitch. Um, I don't care. Some of the things, she, some of the vile things she's had to say online and to people. No, not a fan. Don't care um however be that as it may you are you will probably hear me throughout this thing give people their due people their flowers uh i'm not one of those people who likes to ignore history um so just because chris benoit did something really horrible does not negate the fact that he existed in the business if that makes sense um so as problematic and as much as i don't like her sunny was a huge star um however that is not who i was gravitated towards uh brian i'm pretty sure you can tell who i'm gonna talk about looking at my bedroom right now i can take a guess <laughs> you're only using the audio so for anyone at home um listening to this uh brian has video uh we're conferencing right now via zoom and behind me is a florida ceiling vinyl original attitude era poster of Rena Lesnar Sable in her Miss Slammy bikini. And that's what got me into wrestling. Um, Luna came out. It was shortly after WrestleMania 14. They were building towards the evening gown match at Unforgiven. Luna came out. Then Goldust came out, dressed as Sable. And then Luna stripped him. And then here came Sable. And I did not know the girl's spot. I think Sunny had already come out. She didn't do much of anything. She was pretty. Uh, but Sable and Luna beat the fuck out of each other and it just looked so good and then i was like what the, the girls fight like i love me a chick fight and later on in the night you get degeneration x and i see fucking china and i'm like who is she and then i see the undertaker and then i see kane and i'm like what is this and that's where we were off the races after that every monday night every pay-per-view it was like a family thing uh, my mom loved Stone Cold. Uh, my mom could not stand Sable and would do like the gnarliest impression of her voice. It was so funny. But um, yeah, everyone in the family had their favorites. My my sister Asia was younger and she loved X-Pac. Um, don't know why. It kind of explains her taste in men now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Sean Waltman at all. The character of X-Pac was always that like greasy, degenerate, like that. You know, yeah. and that's the type of guy my sister always tended to gravitate towards in her early 20s. So, you know, Sean Waltman himself has, has grown into like a very attractive older man, well put together. But back then, his character was like this greasy slimeball degenerate, which was like, 
super fun to watch, but not fun when you're the older brother and your sister's kind of dating Xbox left and right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love much, the, I yeah. love that's the descriptor, Xbox. Yeah, Xbox, you know, it's yeah. just like, ah, oh, like, like it works for Sean Waltman, but you guys trying to be Xbox, nah, 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 you don't, you, you can't pull it off. It's just like every blonde woman trying to be Sable or Trish Stratus or, you know, no, no, sometimes some people just have the je ne sais quoi, they just have that charisma, they, they have that uniqueness, you know, you mm-hmm. can't pull it off, you can't, can't replicate it, but that's how, <laughs> how it started for me, that's how it okay. started, yeah. It's interesting to hear that that Sable was the the person like the person that really like like got you into this. Not necessarily because like it it would sound odd or anything. I think that it history has proven that Sable has been a figure that drew a lot of people into pro wrestling. Uh, not just you know not just the straight men, but also like uh, we've seen a lot of people in the LGBTQ community point to Sable as as a as a figure to kind of work towards in a way, right. Or drew inspiration from her. Like, you know, I can look at you, I can look at, there's people even still today, like, you know, new wrestlers like Brian bomb out in, uh, in the New York area. Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. (laughs) Can we not? Uh, okay. I love and adore Brian, but this bitch thinks she's the biggest Sable fan. And Uh I said, do you you have this, do you have this thing on your wall, this floor to ceiling? (laughs) No, oh, you don't? So guess what? You're not the biggest Sable fan, so I guess not. <laughs> but I I love Brian. Brian's, I got to see Brian wrestle full queer uh, last year for Folsom. Um, I was in the main, so I had to like sit through all the matches and see everyone's, and it was so cute seeing the baby gays. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and I, and, um, and one of our other friends was wrestling him too, and they did their whole diva spot fighting on the apron. And just watching, they both came up to me so adorable. They're like, "What do you, what do you think? Like, could you watch our match? Can you do this?" I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like, I'm now considered a veteran, mm-hmm. twelve going on thirteen years. Um, I carry myself in some respects like a veteran, but I never give my opinion or critiques unless they're asked for. I just feel like that's a very dick thing to do. Unless someone asks you, don't don't give them negative feedback. Um, unless you have something constructive to say with it, you know, like, hey, just do do this so you don't get hurt, you know. Um, but I I laughed my ass off because I remember being the baby gay and like, can you watch my match? I'm gonna do this, and it's it's really it was it was a sight to see. It was really adorable to just be asked to watch their match because they respected my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter for shit, you know. At the end of the day. <laughs> Are you injured? No. Did you have fun? Fantastic. Um, like full queer is is great to work for. However, we were at Folsom and next to the ring, there was like a five guy bukkake jerk off circle jerk going on. I don't think anyone was going to be worried about you doing a crisp headlock. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> girl, go out there, look cute, have fun, get some numbers. That's all I got to say about that. You know, know your audience. But it yeah, is I, certainly a different environment. Sorry. It, Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, I thought there was supposed to be all kinds of things going on here. I'm seeing some naked people, but no one's like having sex. Like, what? What is this? Until my entrance came out, and then I'm like, ah, y'all are having sex right next to the tent, really? Like, uh, and I gotta go out for my match. Like, this isn't fair, man. Come on, dude. But um, no, let's shout out to Brian. Brian's adorable. I love Brian. He's great. 
No, I, I do want to get get back to to stable because there's obviously yes. other connections. Oh, we'll with, be here with all you. day. We'll be here yes. all day. Yeah, let's, let's talk about stable. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying that because there's also I before we get there, you brought up full queer. You brought up like this this kind of status that you have now, yeah. where you know people look up to you in 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 wrestling. Like, what is that like for you? Like on a personal level, like knowing like where like what you've done and where you've come from and, and the work that you put in to now have people view you that way. It's interesting. It's both validating and good and positive and uplifting. And at the same time, bizarre and sad and a little bit, a little bit, uh, kind of melancholy when I think about it because people like Brian, uh, people like uh, Zoe Dubois, the Black Swan, um, and other queer wrestlers who I've talked to, uh, Jamie Lynn Senegal, um, Devon Monroe, uh, uh, Cassius over in, over across the pond, right? Um, I talked to these people and they're all, they, I've given them ideas. I've helped them with like monikers. Like I'm the one who monikered uh, Devon Monroe as Black Excellence. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's where they, they got that from me. I, I was like, here, you should call yourself this. And they're like, yes, I love that. And they're they're tearing it up right now. I always joke that Cassius is my son. <laughs> <laughs> because we look like we're related. I just look like, I look like his big stocky dad. And so I'm like, that's my boy. That's my son. <laughs> We did a we did an episode of Ring the Bell together, which I think is still posted. But we were reviewing something, and I believe it was Joy Mayberry was on it and was hosting it, and someone else I can't remember. And I was doing it at work, and the internet is so horrible at work that my face froze on the screen, but you could still hear me. So I was like, we were all laughing because I'm like, oh my god, I just look like Cassius's dad who doesn't know technology, and like it froze, like dad. Take your take your finger off the mic, Dad. And so it was just this big running gag. So um, I look at these these younger queers or these younger people in the business, or just younger athletes in general in this business. And they like, Tommy, can you watch my match? Tommy, what do you think? Zoe was about to go do AEW for the first time ever. Took me out to lunch, which I did not expect, and sat me down and asked for my advice, my input, and. I was like, what, me? But I've never done TV. Why are you asking me, you know? And um, it was great. But then I look at my contemporaries, my colleagues, the people from my generation, my peers who I came up with at the same time and I've worked closely with and they don't respect me in that manner. So that's why it's sad, um, but validating at the same time because these, these and I call them kids because to me, they're always gonna be kids, you know? Uh, and I don't mean that as disrespectfully. I just feel old. <laughs> um, these these kids are very respectful to me, and they're very nice to me, and and they're all bigger stars than I am, oh, except for Brian. Uh, I'm just kidding, Bri Brian. Sorry, honey. I had to. I gave you your props. I got to shade you just a little bit, just just to keep you humble. But no, uh, he, Brian has star power and potential for sure because he's adorable. Um, looks alone he'll make it far just by being cute but he's coming along very well very quickly these kids are all like bigger stars than i was in my prime and they don't have to respect me they, they really don't and the fact that they do and they ask me my input and they level with me 
is I can't take that for granted. It's priceless. So even though I've, I haven't made millions off of wrestling, I haven't even made hundreds off of wrestling. Um, that to me is is well worth it. You know, at least there's like five or six kids who like respect me and they like ask me my input. And as like a big brother type, I like make sure, hey, do this. Don't let anyone walk all over you. Learn from my mistakes. Don't do this. Don't don't think everyone's your friend, you know? And then to see like my my fellow, my colleagues from my era just kind of discount me or make jokes about me and all this other stuff. It's just disheartening, you know. Mm. I can I can I can understand why yeah. that would make you go that way. Mm-hmm. But it is cool though that you do have people now that that are looking up to you in that way and rightfully so honestly like the what you've what you've done um in your career is deserving of of that status there um let's let's talk a little bit about that career as well because you know we talked about stable obviously (laughs) stable a big influence and that kind of leads me to i think one of the the first uh feuds that caught my eye with you um was your feud with Mariah Moreno. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there too. We we you really yeah. we fashioned our feud literally after Sable and Luna because she's one of the biggest Luna Vachon fans ever. So uh, even though, to be perfectly fair and honest, Mariah is way hotter and probably should have been the Sable in our feud because she's, <laughs> she's, Mariah was hot back in the day. She's even hotter now. So I'm kind of like, man, um, but yeah, go on. As you're saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, I was going to ask you about the influence because, like, I like I knew about the Luna and and Sable influence going back mm-hmm. to this like feud there that was at the <laughs> genesis of your pro wrestling fandom in uh-huh. a way. Like, how cool was it to kind of have somebody that you could work that that style of of feud and and ultimately like the evening gal match there as well. <laughs> like, it was <laughs> surreal. It was very surreal. Um, Mariah and I, because uh, basically a lot of a lot of gay people come out later in life, and so that's when they experience their second adolescence. Uh, me, I came out very early. I came out to my family when I was like thirteen. I came out to everyone in school when I was fifteen. So I didn't have like a second adolescence. I was growing up gay, basically. Um, wrestling was my second adolescence and so um that's when you're still learning like um it's so weird because you know nowadays we 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 can throw shade at our friends it's not a big deal but back then people throw shade at each other and for me still learning everything you're like oh my god they hate me oh my god they don't like me and then you take things personally and then you get your feelings get hurt and then that creates heat backstage and all this other stuff so Mariah just loves to give everyone a hard time, period. And um, she took me under her wing and she showed me a lot. And it was, I just remember it clear as day. She was very much the, the acting veteran and very much a Luna, where she's like, you know, you need to train harder. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to learn this move. Her thing was, you need to learn all the moves. And then we went to train together once. She came up to Vegas and we went training at the, the company that's now no longer here that um, was Adrenaline Unleashed. And she ran the ropes and she did a bunch of the exercises that I do. And this bitch rolls out of the ring and pukes. She's like, never mind. I'm gonna stop giving you a hard time. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop giving you a hard time. And then like later on down the line, you know, now that we're both like 
older and like have softened a bit. Uh, she was like, she's like, you know, I was mistaking the fact that like, for me, it was like, learn all the moves, learn all the moves so you could do everything. She goes, you really never, you didn't have to. She goes, she goes, it's just easier to learn, learn this stuff and you don't have to do a whole bunch of flips and a whole bunch of crazy death shit to like get over, you know? And so it, it's just weird hearing from people who wanted me to do a 9 million things all at once. And then I was like, no, like I'm good with this. I'm not going to kill myself for things that I don't know how to do. I'll work around this and I'll do this and I I'll come up with this and I'll get a little bit innovative here and do some character work. Now everyone loves character work. Everyone loves comedy. Everyone, they, they realize, Oh, I, I could wrestle like this for 20 some odd years and not get injured and, or kill myself, you know? Um, but at that time, Mariah was really big about go hard. I'm, I'm going to be stiff with you. I'm going to be a little snug. And that's how I was trained. So that's how I'm going to, you're going to learn. And Honestly, we should like people say that I'm stiff all the time. I think she took it as an as an insult when I was like, it didn't even hurt. Like, I'm fine. And she was like, what? Because I was trained by Mike Modest. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, girl, I, I have three younger sisters. I know how to take a hit. You know, I am not scared by that. Um, so we were able, and because we had a close friendship, we could beat the fuck out of each other. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um I even though sometimes me and her fought like siblings and we would like we would fight it was kind of like um I never thought she would hurt me in the ring and she never did I always trusted her explicitly uh she always took very good care of me in the ring so it, it very much like Luna took care of Rena and um um it was great and but it was cool because we could call like diva references and she knew exactly what I was talking about I'm like I was like, uh, uh, what was it? SummerSlam 98. She's like, oh, yeah, that match. Got it. I go, you know, the, the thing with the thing and the thing. And she goes, yeah, the, yeah, you're, you're going to do the thing. And I'm going to do the, the the other thing. And I'm like, done. And everyone will be like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's diva language. You don't know. <laughs> Tori Wilson neckbreaker, Domery face buster. And then you're, you're going to do the Nydia. And no one knows what the Nydia is, but we know what the Nydia is. I, I mm -hmm. still don't remember, but it was like a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute since. <laughs> it's, it's been a minute. It's like, it's just like, okay, X, Y, and Z. And now uh, it's just so funny to watch Diva fans call a match. Because it, it's, the, it's the most fascinating thing ever. And then sometimes me and Mariah would call matches how they were, how the moves were listed in the video games. Women's <laughs> special slap number two, backbreaker number four um you know a ring post neck breaker to this and it's like oh i remember that gotcha but it was it was great it was it was so much fun like if luna was alive she would be very very proud of mariah mariah definitely had the luna vibe and mentality and it would be funny when she would call me and leave voicemails like i i'd be working and i'd be like what's what's this i turn her on and I listen to the voicemail, and it's always just Mariah going, Sable, Sable. <laughs> and she does the best Luna imitation, and I would start cracking up. She would just call me and start cutting diva promos, word for word for word. And I'm like, oh, my God. So it, it's great. And we both collect diva action figures, so we'll still, like, Instagram live each other. Be like, girl, look at what I got. And I'm like, oh, look what I got, you know? <laughs> so... She's she's very lovely. I wish 
Um, when I was coming up, Mar Mariah was a big deal, but it almost feels like now um, when I was coming up, and maybe I'm jumping ahead because maybe you'd have a question about this later, but we'll just skip right into it because it kind of flows. When yeah. I came up, there was Madness, there was Sensational Sal, there was Zane Zena, who was like the pre-Jamie Lynn Senegal. Um, Zane Zena, Tommy Starstruck, <clears throat> Rick Cataldo. I know we're not supposed to, the, the name is not supposed to be mentioned. Um, it's like Voldemort. However, here's the thing. Despite the horrible things that came out about him, at one point we were good friends. At one point they were, they did a lot for queers and wrestling. And again, like Tammy Sitch or Chris Benoit, just because they did horrible things, we can't sit here and just deny that they did contribute. You know, I'm not about, I'm not going to erase you from history because that's just, no, I, I, it's, no, you have to remember where we all started and came from, you know, um, yeah. Mariah, Mariah was, was big. Mariah was huge uh, on the West coast. And, um, when I came along, those were the people who were active and I always see, and there was a couple others. I can't, I'm sorry to anyone listening who was from that era. If I forgot you, uh, I'm, it's, <laughs> I just had a match with Jamie Lynn Senegal on Saturday and she stomped <laughs> me on the head twice. <laughs> Ooh, I, I don't want to say forgot my address, but thank God uh, Millhouse was home. That's all I have to say. I was like, <laughs> What's our apartment number? Um, so, um, so, you know, I came up and there was like nine of us that were open out and proud. Um, and uh, so when I came along, there's only nine of us. And then like Mariah was still a big deal. And now that you're seeing, um, you know, before, before there was, before there was 400, there was nine and I was part of that. And I felt, I felt very privileged and honored, you know, um, to be part of that, like, quote unquote, the small golden era before the boom, you know, mm -hmm. I came in at the tail end, but they were all there before. And, um, now it just feels like we're that divas era that no one wants to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Like no one, no one likes to talk about what uh, the era from when Trish and Lita left, all the way up to the four horsewomen coming up onto the main roster. No one wants to talk about like the total divas era, um, <laughs> and I think that's just I feel so sad for those girls because they did contribute a lot. They did, they worked as hard as they could, you know, um, with what they were given, and so did we. Nowadays, you see a lot of like people don't want to look back on history, you know. Um, Effie is a tremendous athlete. Effie is a tremendous business person, uh, has made a name for himself, is amazing. Dark Sheik is phenomenal. You know, no one can deny anything about that. But a lot of people think it just that they were the beginning now because they're so huge, you know? And when you mm. become so huge, it's just, it's just easy to go, oh, <laughs> women's wrestling started with Trish and Lita. Well, no, it, yeah. No, yeah. it didn't. There was kind of some more before then, you know? So it's just kind of like, uh, a lot of people from the era when I started don't get the dues or their flowers. I think Mariah has a little bit, but should be given a little more, you know? Same with Zane Zena and Mad Madness is still active. And so is Sensational Sal's manager, I believe, out of Texas. But Zane's retired. Tommy Starstruck kind of went on to other things. I think they do drag. I'm not sure. Um, and you know, just kind of like, eh. I, I just wish we 
that era had been given more, not just for, not for my benefit, but just because those people were so welcoming to me and were so sweet and so talented, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely, that era that you're speaking of does feel like it was a much more of a close um, fraternity, for lack of a better word, yes. amongst yourselves. And, like you know, very, you know, welcoming and, and protective in a way um, that, you know, it should be remembered. And I think that's one reason why I, I like doing this show is that, you know, we don't just focus on the, the people. Yes, there are, like you said, there are like 400, 500 out LGBTQ wrestlers <laughs> at this point now. I know I every year I do that QWY, it becomes even more of a task. Yes. But, <laughs> but yes. um at the same time, like at, while we have this this glut of people now that, that people can look to, that era, there are names that still deserve to be highlighted from it as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's why like I've really enjoyed like having Mariah on on the show previously and getting to talk to her. Um, about about that era, I haven't had um, you know I've had like Eddie McQueen on you know to talk about a little bit of that too and like it, you know it's it's an era that still deserves to have the the spotlight put on it because like without that we don't necessarily get what we have now right yeah. you have to have mm-hmm. the people that are willing to lay the bricks on that road until you get to the point where you know we can all crowd onto it right yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Why why in your personal opinion, just for yourself, like why do you feel that people kind of overlook that era? Because um I'm I'm I will remove madness a little bit from that because madness was always very if I did not know madness personally, I would always assume that he was a straight male because he very he's very much a wrestler wrestler, you know? Uh, but I would say along the lines of like uh uh, Rick, Zane, um, oh, not maybe so much Zane. I don't know. I would have to say maybe because of like, we were willing to just do everything. Does that make sense? We did the storylines with, um, and again, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I'm just going to cherry pick. I'll cherry pick from my own career. And because I, at one point in time, um, was very good friends with Rick. I know a lot about his backstory too. We would do the storylines where the gay stalker storyline, um, the straight wrestler falling for the gay wrestler tag team love thing. We would do those storylines. We would do the gimmick matches. We would do the flamboyancy and the pageantry. We would do um, the risque things. You know, Mariah was never shy about showing her body. Um, and and nowadays it's just so funny because some everyone's like, yes, for sex work, you know? Yes, for being uh, an OnlyFans girl. Yes, for showing your body. Yes, mama. But the minute a wrestler goes, let's do a bra and panties match. Oh, no, we've evolved beyond that. Well, you can't have it both ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, if wrestlers are okay with doing that type of match, then it's okay for the fans to cheer for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, um, It's what's not okay is for a promoter to suggest the match. And then the wrestlers saying, we are not comfortable with that. And then the promoter pushes them into doing it anyway. That is not okay. But if consenting adults are okay with doing a certain storyline and they are okay and comfortable doing a certain match, then what is the problem with fans enjoying it or what have you, you know? And I think a lot of people today look back on, oh, we've just evolved so much more. I go, yeah, but 
people remember those storylines, you know? I mean, I, I knew going into it what could happen, but I was always like, you know what? I've always also wanted to be an actor. That's how I started in wrestling. I was a theater actor here in Vegas. And a friend of mine uh, named Gabe was training to be a manager over at FSW named, and he was named Gigi Severe. And he was like, I think you'd be really great. You love wrestling, come on down and train. So I was like, I'll do it for like a month. And I just want to be stable and then I'm gonna go home, right? <laughs> yeah. And then um, I was taking like three and a half hour bus rides round trip just to get to this venue. And uh, um, no one would train me as a manager. They trained me once and the guy who was running it told the owner, Joe DeFalco, he's got it. Just book him now. He has a character and he can talk and he's young. Use him. Oh, uh, well, you see, uh, we don't really need any managers right now. Uh, oh, you know, it's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you know, very like Italian, like, hey, uh -huh. like, car salesman no offense to joe whatsoever <laughs> it's just very he's very funny uh but it's like um and then i was like well i'm already here and they're not gonna use me as a manager i guess like i guess i can learn to wrestle and 45 minutes after almost every training session mike modest would be on the phone with me as i rode the bus home i think you should be a wrestler i think you should be he actually mike modest predicted the queer movement in wrestling he knew it was coming Really? He's like, he's like, you need to jump on this. He's like, I think you'd be great. You can do everything. You can do comedy. You can do drama. You can be sexy. You can do this. He goes, uh, he's like, the, the queer wrestlers, it's it's coming. You know, the the, the crowd's gonna, just going to get ready for it. You need to ride the wave, you know? And he was right. Um, he even said that, like, he had a bit of a uh, queer following in Japan. And how like mm. some male fans would hit on him and like one guy tried to grope him at the bar. He's like, no, man, I'm good. But it was so funny because he was, Mike Modest is such a charmer. He's like, he had his cigarette in his hand and he's training me and he goes, he's like, he starts grabbing my dick. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm not into that. But you know what? I love my queers. I love my <laughs> queer fans. And I'm like this, I was like, hey, Mike, thank you. Like Modest is so, I was trained by him and Sinbodi and Modest was like that proud dad who just who would be like you have the look he goes you have the look you've got this you just gotta get the wrestling down which is the easiest part you've got everything else nailed right just ride this trend before you know be part of it before it comes up and um he was right he called it now look it's like it's lucrative it's awesome he he has a great mind for the business and he saw it coming three years before it exploded and uh it was just it was phenomenal but i also think that's he saw it and he was old school too you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, that's what's so funny is like you have old school wrestlers who knew the value of queer wrestlers and they saw the trend and they saw it coming a mile away. And they're they're like, you got to get on board with this. The change is coming. And that's why I try never to like assume that older wrestlers are just close minded. I never assume that they don't know what they're talking about because, you know, sometimes they're like, no, that kid's got it. This one's got it. The revolution's coming and you guys just have to change with the times or get left behind. But it's it's just so sad that people look back on certain eras and they're like, yes, yay sex work, but boo, because you you did this storyline, you did this. And I'm like, but I also knew going into it, I'm going to take this storyline and we've seen it a thousand times, like the gay stalker storyline, right? Mm -hmm. How can we make it different? I want to be an actor 
if this was a movie script, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm just going to make it really compelling, you know? And nine times out of 10, I would get cheered. So I hear a lot of people who go, oh, queers were the punchline. They were the joke. They were this. They were, they were seen cast as the villain. I would like to state for the record, every time I was in these storylines where I was meant to be the heel, I would get out cheered. I would, I would be cheered over the good guy to the point where they would have to pivot at some point to make me the good guy. And mm. at the end of the day, because people want to just be entertained. And if you're the most entertaining one in the storyline, like look at um, Trish and Mickey, right? Trish was yeah. getting boo booed out of WrestleMania. And why was she getting booed out of WrestleMania? Because Mickey was entertaining. It wasn't because like Trish was awful. Trish was great, but she had the thankless job of being the straight man in the storyline where she had to play everything straight faced and like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in peril. I'm in danger. And Mickey is having the time of her life. She pitched that storyline. She pitched a storyline for Lita and her, and they gave it to Trish and her. Um, and you can just feel the energy. She's having a blast doing it. And now she's, that made her an instant legend. You know, she could have retired and she would, she would be one of the greatest of all time still, regardless. And that's how I just had this high side. I took a lot of inspiration from Mickey. I'm like, you know what? Instead of just like, ooh, two hot girls kissing, she made that into a compelling storyline. So let's 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 do that. Let's turn it on its head. Let's do something different. So it's just yeah. sad that people look back on it and go, mm, mm, it's problematic. I go, well, the world is problematic, you know? Yes, it, it is. And but it's also to that end, like it's also about understanding like why it was problematic. The match itself might not be problematic, right? Yeah. The match, but it's about the lens that it was produced through. It's yes. about the agency that the people have in it. Like you said, like yes. it's all about agency at that point. And, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I've really enjoyed kind of watching, you know, more, more recently, like people start to better understand that to some extent. And we, you know, we're starting to see some more of this, not necessarily like more of the Brian Panty style match, but more elements of that, of elements similar to it from that era that people are like looking at as, you know, if we do it, like if our community takes this back and does it in a way, yeah. right? Or if, or if a woman takes this back and does it, it puts it through a, a completely uh, different lens different, yes yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah. different lens at all and that's it's, yeah sorry go ahead yeah no it's it's very empowering and that's i mean i, sh I should state that again if every if everyone's cool doing it absolutely do it you know there's there's but it's when promoters try to push that or other opponents try to push other performers to do it like um just like hey we're gonna do a broad pace match if the girl's not comfortable doing it then don't don't do it but if she's like yeah I'm down. Let's do it. Um, then go ahead. Like, let them have fun. I mean, sometimes the wrestling gear is skimpier nowadays than the underwear at this point, you know? And yeah. there's always there's always a classy way to do things, too. You know, I'm always a big believer in that. It's also how you present things and if it makes sense to a storyline, you know? Um, but also, like, a bunch of girls in an all-girl promotion going, we're going to do this match. We're going to take it back, you know? Or, or the gays going... Oh, well, we're going to take back the word diva, you know, like that's mm -hmm. our word now. It's just, it, it is empowering. It's kind of like, ha, 
it's kind of like Gypsy Rosalie said for the, you uh, musical theater buffs out there. No one laughs at me because I laugh at me. I laugh first. You know, no one makes fun of me because I do it first. And that's, you know, that's all it comes down to. I'm not, first of all, I'm not saying everyone should be going and doing these matches. <laughs> I'm not saying we need more broad panties matches. But, you know, um, it was it was kind of cool to see people um, just like take take their power and be like, yeah, I did this. And, you know, I'm not afraid of my sexuality and I'm not afraid to show off my body and I'm not afraid to do X, Y, and Z and be entertaining and stuff. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where I, I have a lot of opinions and people think I automatically, I'm assuming or meaning one thing when I'm not. And so mm -hmm. half the time I just abandon the debate halfway through the middle because I have people who talk over me. A lot of wrestlers talk over me and think that they they just and what's the funniest there are wrestlers who've never been in these matches. I've been in all of these matches. In fact, uh this is an APB for any promoter out there. Um the only match I need to do so I can just retire successfully and happily is a gravy bowl match. And no <laughs> one in Vegas will let me do it, first of all, and this goes out to Millhouse, Ricky Tenacious who runs um bbw this goes to everyone okay they all think i mean real gravy like you go watch <laughs> the gravy bowl matches those are not real gravy it's like no. water with some seasoning guys no we're not going to get kfc gravy and wrestle on that that's dumb i just want that match and i just and i will if you hate me that is the quickest way to get me to retire I mean that match i will leave happily and be like i'm done there's nothing else for me to do i've done it all you know mm -hmm. um but like, I've been in these matches. I know so many people who haven't been and they have an opinion like, it's degrading. For me, the crowd had a good time. So I'm having a good time. And I've been stripped more times than I can count. And as a former fat kid who still has those lingering feelings of self-doubt about my body, it's kind of empowering to get stripped and then people go, damn, like nice, we're looking good, <laughs> you know? Or being like, I face my fear. What's scarier than being like, oh, I'm stripped. What do I do? Oh, no. And now I'm like, wow. Like, I just got stripped in front of, like, 100 people who paid to see this. Okay. Cool. I guess it's, I'm just in my underwear. No big deal, you know? Millhouse sees me walk to the kitchen in my underwear all the time to eat shredded cheese out of a bag. I think <laughs> I'm okay. Um, but, yeah, to me, it's it's been fun and empowering. And all my opponents have always been like, like, yeah, let's do it. It's great. Raya, Shelly Martinez. Um, who else have I done these matches with? Like numerous, numerous other people. I've just been yeah. like, it's gonna be fun. You get just, it's 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 whatever. If it's not for you, that's absolutely fine. But don't sit here and tell me how I feel about being in those matches. And uh, you know, sorry, my tangent's over. <laughs> You're totally fine. But it, it you speak about the the empowerment of like you know just being there in front of a crowd and just your underwear and like you know facing that fear and and all that that you take in from those moments like i was going to bring up shelly the shelly martinez match at, there as well <laughs> for you because like i mean you teed it up perfectly because like that like going back and watching that match again like if that felt like a at least from an outside perspective that looked like a moment where that really like manifested for you a lot in the post match of that match like what was it like working with with shelly and like this wild ass thing that y'all are doing in the middle of a planet hollywood like what are y'all doing here? 
Shelly Martinez was and still is one of the most beautiful souls in all of wrestling. Um, if Molly Holly is like the state, the the patron saint of wrestling because she's so sweet and innocent and stuff, like Shelly is probably right up there too. Um, Shelly keeps it real. She's never gonna bullshit you. Um, she's kind, she's sweet, she's very giving in the ring. She is down for anything. And that's a woman who used her sexuality as like, uh, you know, weaponized herself, you know? Like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna throw myself into the Ariel character. And that's when I first saw her, I was like, damn, she's like, say what you want about Shelly's wrestling ability. She's heard it all. She's, she takes a lot of hate and a lot of heat and she handles it with such class. And in Grace, I hope to one day have as much class as Shelly Martinez. She um, um, just threw herself into that character. And what not that like the one thing everyone remembers from WWE's version of ECW is how badass Ariel was as a character. Basically. Like she, yeah, she crawled so Scarlet could run. You know, that's, that's pretty much how it is. Um, she was amazing to work with. And I don't even, how did it happen? I really don't remember how it came to be that we were going to work together, but she was very giving. Um, Freak Show had just been bought out by some wannabe politician out here. Um, I think his name was Craig. And um, Craig and I got along very well, as far as I can tell, um, despite him being a Republican. Um, <laughs> so he was running for he was running for politics out here. I can't remember what it was for, like commissioner or something. I can't. Um, nice guy until he took over Freak Show and changed it to Donkey Show. And me and Shelly were going to wrestle in the Freak Show Divas title that was usually primarily fought between me and Mariah um, was dissolved and became the Donkey Show women's title. Now we called it the Divas Championship because it was like A, that was like the, the height of like the, the Divas movement basically. And also because I'm, I'm not a woman. You know, yeah. so it just it just made more sense to go with this title. Anyone could be a diva. Well, it was the Donkey Show women's title. Belt is beautiful. Shelly still has it. I'm 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 like, oh my God. I'm I'm gonna go visit her and steal it from her. Uh, but um we re-wrestled in the formal wear match and she was gonna win, and it was the first time a queer person had ever headlined a main event wrestling match. In Vegas, that's me. And it was awesome. at Planet, Planet Hollywood. And I will state this. Yes. First queer main eventer in Vegas wrestling history. They don't need to know that only 10 people showed up. So doesn't matter. <laughs> I didn't say top draw. I just said I was the first. And um, it was Planet Hollywood. It was a lot of fun. Um, and as the, they just kept having me and Shelly like fight over this belt. In, in fun little gimmick matches. Um, I think on thanks around Thanksgiving time, they had us in a tomahawk on a pole match, which <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, right? Like, okay, yes, has not aged well. I yeah. was dressed as a pilgrim and she was dressed as a Native American, but it was just costumes. We didn't do like, the, we didn't like make fun of anyone for their whatever. Um, it was supposed to be a frozen turkey on a pole match, but we couldn't get turkey. Um, you know, health code, they wouldn't allow for it. So, yeah. um, but my partnership with Donkey Show kind of ran its course when I was I was guest refereeing a match between um, Vintage Dragon and Gregory Sharp. And they were playing different characters. Gregory Sharp played 
uh, a parody of Obama. And it, it was, yeah. That's a thing? Yes. And, <laughs> and, yeah, like, but not like a, a bad parody. Like, yeah, he was, yeah, like, yeah. He was like, Obama is a wrestler. And uh, um, one of the, Greg Sharp, shout out to him, one of the best and most underrated wrestlers in all the country. So people should look at him more. He's a tremendous heel. Um, and shredded. The dude is built. He's stacked. Um, he was wrestling, and they're him and Vintage Dragon were putting on a great match, and I was refereeing. And then um, they filmed it, and not a big deal, right? Until my mother watches the footage on television and calls me pissed off because the owner, um, again, was not Sin Bodhi at the time. It was this this other guy was basically the camera was on me for most of the match, which I felt was also a disservice to these two great wrestlers. And um, he was talking about how basically how I looked good on my knees and how I was a whore and how I was this. So I messaged him. I go, first of all, if that was the story we were going to tell and was going to lead somewhere, like Trish barking like a dog for Vince McMahon, it was going to lead somewhere. I know it's a TV show. I get it, you know, but no one okay that with me no one asked me no one clued me in so i said hey not cool like my mom saw that you know and people can't really a lot of people can't differentiate between me and my wrestling persona um so it makes it really difficult sometimes um and i was like hey not cool blah 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 and then he was like well, I can't get you any footage because I have to redo all the commentary now, which is going to cost me money. And basically, like, blamed me for, like, bringing it to his attention that that did not sit well with me. And then, uh, like, that was kind of like the end of my association with Donkey Show. And then it, it didn't last much further. And they had to wait for the rights to expire. And they reverted back to Sin Bodhi and became Freak Show Wrestling again. But I was kind of like, that was, like, one of the number of times someone took a shot at me on commentary and I was like I'm not even like in this match as a wrestler I'm the referee you know and for me I was more upset at like you're not paying attention to your talent in this ring or wrestling so that was kind of annoying you know mm -hmm. but, but Shelly was always the bright spot of any anything that we had to do there she was the best so <laughs> No, that's that's awesome to hear about about Shelly, but unfortunate to hear about how that whole thing kind of came to a close there, though. But like, it's interesting because obviously, like you know, you would you probably wouldn't be the only person uh, in the LGBTQ community who's experienced something like that from commentary specifically. Oh, yeah, but it's just. <sighs> I think that's another reason why it's valuable to go back and, and look at, at the, that era too, mm -hmm. just to see how far the presentations of, of pro wrestling, every facet of it has come. Yeah. Right. You know, like there's still, I, I still do reporting on issues with, with commentary here and there nowadays, yeah. but at the same time, like it feels like a lot of people it, in the same way that in ring has caught up, with you know the the presence of lgbtq people commentary and other facets of it as well have come along in in that way you know people are are smarter about what they say they're not just blatantly 
like saying stuff like that, sexualizing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, with with no real motivation, uh, at least in terms of the presentation behind it. Like that's immensely frustrating to hear that that was your experience. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. If I, if it was like in a storyline, you know. But I'm like, you're the owner, and we're not in a storyline, you know, and we're not feuding. If it was like a heel on commentary and I was feuding with them, they're like, what a whore. You know, yeah, you look going I, I, I'm a firm believer in context is important, you know? Um, I have friends who have just, have nothing's off limits when it comes to joking, you know? But it's like context is, is very important. You know, if someone says something, like if someone, um, you know, I have a lot of trans friends. I have a lot of people who go by they, them. If someone messes up your pronouns, and it's, it's genuinely just by accident. You know, you don't need to rip off their head. You know, just explain to them, oh, oh hey, I go by this, you know? And if they're, like, maliciously doing it, you know, where you've clearly told them over and over, then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's not cool. But, like, my dad had a stroke, like, 17 years ago, and he still messes up my pronouns. Because he's just, like, he says she for a lot of people and he for others. And it's just because his mind is so jumbled. But it's, but it's like, he's not being you know, disrespectful of your pronouns. He just doesn't cognitively, he's like, that's just what he says all the time for everyone, you know? But like, if yeah. someone's like, yeah, if someone goes up to someone who's a trans woman and they go by she and, and another person maliciously goes, hey, what's up, sir? What's up, mister? You know, nah, you should be decked. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe context is important when people are speaking, especially on commentary. Um, if like if I was feeding with Greg Sharp, who I just said is a tremendous heel, and he was saying stuff on about me on commentary, a we're very good friends. B he's very professional, and C um, if he's a heel, dude, heal it up. I get it. You know, I'm not gonna take it personally. But when you're the owner and you should be focusing on your talent, and I am in no way part of the storyline, that's unprofessional, and you're a dick. So that's just it. Mm. so obviously that situation is, is fucked in in many ways we're coming out of that um but you know and and as someone who didn't necessarily you know i didn't grow up in the vegas scene i you know yeah. i watched it from afar and i still there are plenty of, of stuff there's plenty of stuff from from the vegas scene that i came to after the fact as yeah. well and and learning about it, um, you missed a lot. You missed a lot. I was about to ask, like, it does this? Like, it seems like this situation kind of like not necessarily like embodies, but is like it points to some of the chaos in in the Vegas scene there. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. like, if you look at it now, like it's a, it feels much more stable, you know, with FSW and versus and Pride Style and Big Valley. You know, mm. like it seems uh, to have like leveled out a bit, and it's starting to grow in 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 the. Uh, the purview i would say but at the time it like it really felt like vegas was uh a bit of a powder keg at times with stuff kind of coming and going as as it as it pleased yep i've been part of every promotion that's come through vegas um with the exception of the i think one but it's so inconsequential you don't really you know um okay i should I should reiterate that. Sorry. Let me restate that. I've been part of every promotion that's come through Vegas since I started wrestling. Because there have been promotions before me, before uh, we, the VCW was here, Vegas Championship Wrestling. That's when 
um, Cutthroat Cody when he was Crash Test Cody uh, was over there, started there. Remy Marcel, I think Funny Bone started over there too. Um, uh, what's it? Oh, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his stage name right now? Um, Legacy, there we go. Legacy, who was um, big over at FSW for a while after. He ran VCW and it was like him and all of his friends and it was like a great atmosphere. And then um, FSW started, VCW closed down and everyone went to FSW. And um, then that's where I started. And so like I've pretty much been everywhere that's opened in Vegas after the fact. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. I'm just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show and say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is... Uh, pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you got t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT RingPod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday 
8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. So with how, how chaotic the Vegas scene can be, like talk to me about going up to Salt Lake City with UCW Zero, which feels so stable in comparison. <laughs> Let's talk about Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. And how it compares to Vegas. Yes. Oh. Okay, okay. Remember when you were messaging me, Brian, you're like, is there any questions that like concern you? But answering them like doesn't concern me. Might uh-huh. concern others. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm, I'm to that point in my, my life in general. I'm 37, um, where it's like I'm not a little kid, but everyone, I, I, I blame this Asian skin. Everyone thinks I'm like mid 20s. Everyone thinks I'm like, you know, this fun loving kid. Blah blah blah. No, I'm 37. I'm a tax paying adult who don't talk to me like a fucking kid. I've been around long enough, you know. Um, I'm just gonna say the things that you don't want to hear. The things that are true, I just stick to the facts and you can't go wrong if you stick to the truth, you know, and facts mm-hmm. are not feelings. Like, I'm sorry if you don't like certain wrestlers or they are problematic or canceled. If they're talented, I'm going to say they're talented. It doesn't mean I agree with what they did. It doesn't mean that I like them either. But I'm also, I know I do not like when my talent or the things I've contributed are pushed to the side or I'm, I'm, made, to, I'm made to look like I never mattered or existed. Um, that hurts me on a level far worse than if a crazy, like a crazy protester called me the F word, you know, invalidating me and acting like I never existed hurts and I would never do that to anyone else. You know what I'm saying? Um, now if I think you're not talented, I'll tell you like, if like, bitch, no, <laughs> go back to the drawing board. Okay. If you didn't contribute anything, I will tell you. But for the most part, everyone's had their part to play. Um, Sorry, that was my little tangent. But as I said, I'm going to say the things that you're just not supposed to say out loud, which, Brian, would explain why I'm not booked as much. Other people would like to to say, oh, well, you're just not that good of a wrestler. Well, I'm seeing plenty of shitty wrestlers get booked everywhere, um, including promotions in Vegas, including other fellow queer promotions. so no, it's because I will tell you when you're an asshole. I will tell you when you're wrong. I will argue with you and I will stand up for the little guy. I get a reputation of being a bitch, but I'm like, if I feel like some, an injustice is going on, I'll be like, that's wrong. That is incorrect. Um, that's why some of these young kids come up to me and ask me for help. So, and that's also why at Pride Style, Millhouse calls me his JR. I'm his Jim Ross. <laughs> I'm his talent relations. Um, he'll be like, am I being reactionary before I say something? I go, pull it back. <laughs> Let <laughs> me go talk to them for you. Uh, take a breath. You know, it's okay. Um, he'll he'll ask me before he sends off emails. Does this sound like I'm being combative? I'm not trying to be. And I'm like, oh, just change two words. There you go. Do that. You know, send an emoji. <laughs> so... <laughs> But how does this correlate to Salt Lake City? So I was I started up at FSW. I left because I got a comedy gig and was asked to do one in two weeks. And I, at that night, I was going to an FSW show. And I posted I was doing a comedy gig. I went to FSW to go referee. Joe DeFalco was like, you should have asked me before you announced you're going to go do a comedy gig in two weeks. First of all, I don't have to ask you for anything. I'm just calmly telling you in two weeks I won't be at the next show for one night. 
the woman who was putting the comedy gig together basically said that like if I said if I did not show up that she would never ask me again. So I'm gonna take the gig. Not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. I bombed anyway. Oh well, say la vie. So he was just a dick about it, and I was like, "You don't pay me, so I guess I'm done with wrestling then." And I literally walked away. Like I was like. Six months in, I'd already had my debut match and I'm relegated to referee. Bye. See you later. Um, next thing I know, Adrenaline Unleashed is interested in me because anyone that left FSW, they were like, hey, come on over here. Um, I worked over there and that's how um, I met a lot of people from Salt Lake City. Um, prior to that, I had worked at Cauliflower Alley Club and I met Martin Casals, also known as Marty the Moth. Uh, Donnie Osmond from Top Enough. So I met him, big, beautiful human beings, Gaston looking motherfucker, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> he'd be like, hey, I'm Marty. And uh, um, if you ever want to drop my name, come up to UCW Zero Utah. You know, I think you'd like it. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm like, sure, got it, Marty. Um, I was like, cool. And then um, I remember some of the Utah people came down, worked Adrenaline Unleashed. And then me and Jace Battle, now known as Papa Yase, and our friend GT Boosin, um, who I was managing at the time, we were all going to go truck up to Utah together. So you want to hear a fun road story? Sure. Okay. Papa, myself, Gabe, GT Boosin, get booked to go do Fighting Spirit Pro in Merced, California. And then we get booked to do a Battle Royal in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, we're young, we're stupid, we're hungry. Um, we're going to go. We don't realize how fucking far Merced, California is until we're like halfway there, right? Yeah. I don't have glasses at the time. I'm blind as a bat, so I can't drive. Uh, Gabe doesn't have a license, he can't drive, so Papa has to drive the whole way there. And we're like playing wrestling theme songs on like burn CDs because that's still before everyone had like Spotify and all this other stuff. So we're, we're going up there. We wrestle on Merced. Um, we get a hotel room. Um, we wrestle. Those, uh, me, and, me and Papa are in the big battle royal. Gabe gets concussed in a match, in a tag team match. I not only was in the battle royal, I got to manage Katie Lee Burchell, Katarina Waters, who's a very good friend of mine and the only woman to make me fully question my homosexuality. Um, I, ref <laughs> I refereed a match that she was in for Freak Show Wrestling and I was like, I have to pad you down. And she backed up and she spread her arms and she laid across the rope. She's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna frisk me. You're gonna pat me down. You're gonna touch me. And I went, ah, ah, I think I'm gay. I, I think I'm no longer gay. I don't know what this is all about. She's so gorgeous. I tell her that all the time. And um, so I got to manage her and um, I go, I have my music with me. And she's like, we'll come out to your music. And I went, what? Oh my gosh, that's great. So I got to manage her. I got to wrestle. Papa drop kicked me in the face to eliminate me. And oh, oof, what a drop kick. That was before he learned to pull back a little bit. He fucked me up. <laughs> and um, so Gabe's injured. Art's been up like a full 24 hours. We now decide we have to drive from Merced to Salt Lake City, which is a very long drive. He's like, Tommy, I'm getting tired. Can you just drive for a little bit? I'm like, yeah, sure. Not a problem. No glasses. He tries to doze off for like a half hour. He was, 
I'm driving like a little granny. I'm leaning across the steering wheel. We're going. And he's like, never mind. I've got it. He had like five energy drinks. He was like shaking and convulsing by the time we got to Salt Lake City. Um, Gabe's asleep in the backseat of the car. Just out cold. Um, Probably not good for a concussion, but there was not much we could do. So um, we get there and we're in the we're in a battle royal a pre-tape battle royal so it's like a dark match mind you and me and art get eliminated in like a minute because we thought we went over on time so we just like kind of made sure we got out as fast as possible and then hung out at martin castaus's house because that was like um the party house and did papa go to sleep at all knowing me to drive six hours back to vegas no 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 sleep for papa he stayed awake and oh man, it was so jittery, so jittery. And so I still bring it up to him every now and again, you know, because now Papa's a big star in the Vegas scene. And I'm like, hey, remember 14 hour car ride? He's like, <laughs> never again. <laughs> and, at, and at the time, I I knew Papa was uh, pansexual. I think he's uh, pansexual, bisexual. He was he was asexual. So, uh, but he, I don't think was very very open about it. Um, I was like the first one, like I was like the first gay, you know, and it was, it, I was the only one for a while, for a long time. And, um, um, so just kind of like everyone flocked to me because I was just very open and honest and me and Gabe and Papa would travel up to Salt Lake city once a month. Cause they were like, okay, these kids mean business. And we would get over. We did not work together though. Like we were never involved, uh, me and Papa up in Salt Lake City. Me and Gabe tag teamed just like once or twice. Um, but then they were like in classic form, oh, we don't have any girls to face our women's champion. And I'm gonna state this, Salt Lake City has always treated me better than Vegas. Again, mm. the stuff that you, the stuff that um, Pride Style treats me well, but it took a long time for like BBW and Pride Style to like make up for all the times I wasn't treated well by other promotions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it and, makes sense. Yeah, and so, but for a long time, I was just going up to Salt Lake City and just cutting my teeth up out there and um, paying my own way. I was never paid, but here's the thing: before you all like roast Salt Lake City, they made it very clear they had no money. They had a good small venue which was always packed, they would get you your footage and they would take care of you otherwise. Sometimes they would like buy your food and they would always like have a place for you to stay if you wanted to crash somewhere. Martin was always great about like opening up his home. Um, the booker, Cassidy, always let me stay with him. His, uh, his significant other, Paradise, is my main tag team partner and one of my best friends. So it was like we were out of towners, we're still taken care of even if they couldn't pay you, you know? Uh, um, so I would go up there and they're like, uh, Sierra Rose at the time, well, I'm just gonna call her Gabby because she wrestles under Savannah Thorne now. Gabby was their women's champion. Zoe Stark of NXT fame, currently <laughs> Trish Stratus's lackey, was basically their version of China. Um, she was thrown in with the men because she could hang with the men. Um, but that also, and the other two women, my wrestling mom, Michelle Morgan, and um, who's married to now married to Steve uh, Eastlas, uh, the Navajo warrior mm -hmm. and her tag team partner, Marty Daniels, were a tag team called Bump and Grind. And they were in the tag division with the men. 
So there was literally no, and Paradise was not training yet. She was just a valet. Um, there was no women. And at that time, women were very expensive to bring in still, you know, like, because it was what, like circa 2014? And um, they literally were just like, okay, we're throwing Tommy in there against Sierra. Let's see. And it was never, uh, it was never a case of um, like, I'll oh, just throw the gay guy in there. They literally were like, okay, well, Tommy's like getting a reaction. Let's find something for him, but we don't have anything for, for Gabby. And it was never supposed to be for the women's belt until they like just kind of said, let's see how the crowd reacts to this. So they had me, Zoe, who at the time was Lacey Ryan, and Gabby in a triple threat. And the crowd just ate it up at how stupid funny it was. And then like, okay, cool. We can move Zoe into her program with the men. And then, oh, she had to like face Sway Thompson, who's since been canceled and, you know, for being a perv. Um, poor girl. Uh, <laughs> so she faced him. I got Gabby. And then um, we had a, they like, they put everything into me. Michelle got injured. So Marty Daniels had nothing to do. So they said, Marty, who looks like Wonder Woman. Like this woman's built like a brick shit house, beautiful, gorgeous face. They're like, toss her with Tommy, make her the bodyguard. I got a bodyguard. I got a beautiful Amazonian bodyguard. I got a cool entrance. I got a great storyline. And um, I, I had a women's title match against Gabby. She won. We thought that was it. They're like, we love the reaction. I come in the next month and on the board, it's like women's title match, her goes over what what it's like my fifth match here and i'm already winning a title and they're like yeah it's like fun the crowd wants to see you beat the shit out of each other and i'm like sweet um dastardly heel i cut a promo i renamed the belt the divas championship and they let me take the ball and they ran with it and they were like they all their promotional materials like divas title even on like the with the roster page they like did a, a font over the belt for me or like Divas <laughs> Championship. Uh they were always Stevie Slick, the owner, was always, you know, super crotchety when he talked to anyone like this, you know, god damn, these stupid sons of bitches. But he's uh super liberal, which you would never guess in Salt Lake City, right? And super like pro LGBT, um, very welcoming, very, very nice. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna get paid, but you're gonna get treated with respect. So <laughs> um yeah, it was so funny because other people like that would book for him because the booking team would kind of rotate out. Uh, they'd be like, I don't know, Stevie's not going to go for it. And then I would pitch something to Stevie, like, sure, I don't give a shit. Whatever. The crowd's going to like it. Nah, whatever. <laughs> and so uh, Stevie was always really, really great um, to work with. And it's funny because like the last two years that UCW Zero was active before the pandemic hit, um, he was like a heel owner and it was me and the rest of the divas teaming up to save the company from his corporation faction two years in a row. Like, and that was like a pretty big deal. Like all the divas banding together and like, it was me, paradise and Michelle, like stealing back the company from the heels. And it made for a great thing because we were so over. And the fact that Steve was like willing to like, eventually like they his own corporation kicks him out of the group and he has to, he joins the divas like fight alongside the faces to save his company and it was just so 
fun because it was like he's in the trenches with us and it's kind of cool the boss trusts you enough to work with you so it's a very great feeling and but but then you would have your contemporaries like the men are out there doing kick flips off of ladders and sunset flip power drive bombs through tables onto thumbtacks and they're like i had a bang or a match i'm like yeah well we just had like six months of storyline wrap up you know that got everyone over everyone had their spot everyone was happy and like you just had people just kind of like they wrote it off they didn't care your colleagues you know but you're like i just worked with the owner and like we just built up months of the storyline and they just and that's what what's disheartening it's like yay cool he trusts me the fans love it and my partners all love it i go but my colleagues are just like yeah whatever did you bleed you didn't bleed i don't care were the thumbtacks i didn't care and i think i think that's just a very wrestler thing i don't think that's isolated to just like salt lake city or whatever but salt lake city i miss it all the time you have no idea i miss that crowd they were always packed i still have lots of friends up there good memories um and it, and it killed me a little bit because um i got invited to come out there and do not a ucw show but another show and they're like, hey, we're going to do a rumble. You want to come up for a spot? And I went, am I winning? And they were like, no. And I'm like, then no. I go, you're going to have me come all the way out there. Again, I make no money. I come out there because I love the scene out there. And I love those fans. And I love my friends who wrestle out there. And I go, and you're going to throw me out in a minute. That's not worth my time or my money. It's expensive to fly right now. Um, if I was winning or if I was there from the beginning all the way to the end and had a strong finish, Absolutely. But no, uh, and that's like my message to all the young kids. Like, don't be so hungry that they just use you as a body, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but um, oh God, I, could, I have so many fun stories and fun matches and opponents. I've won the Divas title from UCW Zero three times. Stevie Slick will not let me bring it home, even though the company's on a long extended hiatus. <laughs> so much, in fact, that Paradise has all the belts at her house, her and Cassidy's house, because he's the main booker. And every time I visit, the women's belt is always just missing. It's like Steve, <laughs> I think Stevie has it at his house purposely so she can't give it to me. And so um, I'm the last Divas champion. Uh, I'm undefeated. And at the end, it was it was amazing because they're like, we're going to give the belt to Tommy. Tommy, try and figure something out. Like, we got to figure out something, right? Because, you mm -hmm. know, um, it was just me and Paradise and we were a tag team. And we had a couple of other girls. But it was like, what do we do? We got to come up with a storyline. So I kind of, we started, I was able to pull some strings and had like some out of town girls come in for like reduced rates or I would pitch a storyline. So we had a Bambina come out and they, they were like, Tommy, what kind of match do you want? Like literally Stevie Slick would be like him and Cassie, be like, what are your ideas, Tommy? What do you want to do? This is your idea. Okay. Well, well, we can't really go for that. Let's meet you halfway. How about this? And I'm like, okay. And I can't, uh, me and Bambina had a deck the hall, deck their halls match, which was like <laughs> just a, a knockout match. Like you gotta, you gotta, you'll be down for a three count, right? Mm -hmm. She has the bit where she drops the Cracker Jacks in the ring and she slams you. Well, um, I guess no one told Stevie we were doing that. Oh man, this, I would yell bitch and yell all kinds <laughs> of cuss words. He didn't give a fuck. So he's like, God damn fucking Cracker Jacks, and then um, I was on the mic talking to her and I, I dropped the mic. I literally just let go of the mic and then I punched her in the face. And yeah. I get to the back. And he's like, 
fucking Tommy. God damn it. Fucking spiking the mic onto the mat. I go, I didn't spike it. I dropped it. He's like, oh yeah, let's watch the footage. You spiked the fucking mic, you fucking asshole. It's fucking expensive. Ah! And I'm like, <laughs> and I couldn't even be mad because I was laughing. He's like, it's not funny. I go, but your voice and you yelling at me is so funny right now. <laughs> and, um, and then Kikio came out. And we had a steel cage match at their show called Incarceration, which every match is a steel cage match and they have different rules. So we had a call me queen match, which was basically an I quit match, but you had to say, do you give up? And you had to go, yes, queen, yes, queen. <laughs> that was my idea, which I stole the call me queen name from Rumble Roses, the video game. Mm-hmm. He just said, she goes, I don't mind putting you over at all as long as I get my Stone Cold Steve Austin spot. So I had her in the sharpshooter and she was bleeding. And when I choked her with like a whip, she she leaned up and she had the blood. And that's mm-hmm. all she wanted was just a Stone Cold Steve Austin spot. And um, she came out for like, I think she like drastically reduced her rate just to have that match. Because out here in Vegas, we were supposed to wrestle in a steel cage for the Vixens Championship at a company called 3PW. And it was supposed to be called Incarceration. So the fact that this was all like kismet and circled back and we were going to have this match at an incarceration uh, live event, she was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. We have to have our cage match. And that's on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch that, a lot of fun. So they always gave me the ball. They let me run with it. And But it wasn't always like sunshine and roses. Um, They kept bringing us out. And then there was uh, an issue with, Bringing us out, one of the talent, I think, set someone off. It wasn't Papa. I don't know if it was Gabe. I think it was literally because we were a foursome. We traveled a lot with Swade Thompson. Um, Swade was very, very funny and very talented, but he made a lot of really awful choices. Awful choices. Um, and he deserved everything that happened to him, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. And we traveled all together. And they were like, we were not bringing you guys back. And I don't know what happened. And then Papa and Gabe and Suede, everyone got their bookings elsewhere except for me. So I was like, I'll come out. And they're like, no, 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 Tommy, you are not a problem. But we didn't think that you would want to come out if we didn't book your friends anymore. I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. No, no offense to Papa, because I'm sure he'll listen to this. But no offense. <laughs> fuck my friends. Give me my booking back, please. <laughs> so um, um, I went out there and... I did that and it was it was great for me until I had a fan. Um, we're just gonna call him JC. Those are his initials. I had a fan, I was embroiled in a storyline um with Paradise, where we had a match, and this particular fan would talk a lot of shit when I came out. I blew it off because I wasn't a heel, I was a face, so I couldn't like engage. And then I fell out of the ring once on purpose. It's not like I just fell. <laughs> I got yeah. jumped outside the ring. <laughs> and he and I remember he leaned over. He was like, Yeah, you like that you little faggot? And I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything. He's just a fan. Fuck him. We got his money, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna do this here. But Salt Lake City, honestly, is very a lot of progressive people out there. They just can't, it's not their fault that the church runs that state, you know? Yeah. Um, and they loved me because it was like, we don't get to see this kind of stuff. We love this, this character. Um, I think once I started doing my stuff, it helped everyone loosen up and out of the back. They got to be more colorful. Um, that's just my opinion. 
Um, and then I wrestled Paradise, and she did a Luthez off of the top rope. She's like five foot one. She did a Luthez, and she went to go land on me, but she landed like vagina on my face, like sat on my face. <laughs> and we were, and I, I'm cracking up, but I'm trying not to show that I'm laughing. And I roll over, I go, "How do men do this?" You know. And yeah. then he, and then he starts yelling. JC starts yelling from the audience. You stop being vulgar in front of kids. He'd always be on my Facebook, like before everyone started saying that they should shale drag queens and stuff. This guy was the one all over my Facebook saying I should be jailed for illegal acts in front of kids, that I was, uh, didn't call me a groomer, but was like saying how I was vulgar and I was this and like all this other stuff. And I was like, I made a joke about like her sitting on my face and saying it was gross. I don't, okay, whatever. And then I, I started engaging with him because now it was getting personal where he would comment on everyone's page about me. And um, I had, I believe I had this interview with Wrestling With Regret. But I, mm -hmm. love, I, lo I love, I love, I love Zane. He's great. Uh, I just like, he's great. What's with all you podcasters named Brian? That's all I got to say about that. Hey, I, I understand <laughs> that. Trust me, I don't get it either. <laughs> so I remember telling him, uh, it was for a Pride episode. And I remember telling him, I go, yeah. And I told that guy, I go, you don't like it? Hire a sitter. And everyone was like, hashtag hire a sitter, which I, I still need to make a shirt for. And he, that's why I said, I go, if you don't like it, hire a sitter. Keep your kids at home. He did not like that. Like you, I could, I might as well just said, I hope you get cancer. Like he literally, oh my God. So he hit up Cass and he went ballistic. Now Cass is very Italian. I get it. Uh, I'm Italian too. And so he, as a businessman, he's like, God damn it, Tommy, motherfucker. You gotta understand when you say something and I came back hot. Instead of just realizing that's just Cass. I, I've known him for years. He doesn't mean anything. Again, context is important. I was in my feelings, came right back. And I was like, I go, this guy is calling me faggot. This guy is harassing me all over social media. I go, I had to say something. He's like, well, he bought eight VIP tickets. Now he wants a refund. And then on the other end of that, Stevie Slick's going, fuck him. I already got his money. <laughs> fuck that guy. And I, I was like, Stevie, the owner doesn't care. Why are you like doing this? And I'm like, he's harassing me, but you're my friend. You know, why are you not backing me up, Cass? And so instead of letting him explain, dude, I went ballistic. I was like, you know what? I want to hear your fucking excuses. You're blocked. And I was like, fine, I guess I'm done at, I'm done at UCW Zero. So I did like the Rocky Mountain Rumble and then I quit. I was done. Um, Paradise was women's champion at the time. So it wasn't like I was in a storyline. And um, at the time, uh, before that, I was teaming with Nick, Nick Valentino, who was known as Chip. Um, he was playing a gay character, which I know is problematic now. Um, but we had like a rom romance storyline. We were the fella twins. Mm -hmm. And we teamed together. And because he was the gay character before I ever showed up. And he had left for a long time. So when he came back, we teamed together. For two years, we teamed together. We were tag team champions. And then um, he was like, I kind of want to go solo and be heel and drop the chip character. And we're like, well, we got to do something. And so I was like, a wedding. We're going to do a wedding. And Cass was like, no, we're not doing that out here. Cass was really worried that we would get a lot of shit from the fans. Like Cass was like very protective of the wrestlers. It was never a, I don't like your storyline, Tommy. It was like, I'm worried that they are going to do something, you know? And I'm like, cool. But he's always gruff about it. He's like, I'm not using your fucking idea. 
okay. Until Michelle Morgan stepped in. And Mm. he really values Morgan's opinion. She's like, I think this is a great idea. You should do it. So he did it with Nick turning against me. Everyone thought I was going to turn against Nick, which was amazing. So Paradise is my bridesmaid. And Michelle Morgan walks me down the aisle. And she's my maid of honor. And this clip is on YouTube as well. You can find it everywhere. Uh, The Deacon of Doom, Brian Diggs, is our minister and he's a real minister so if we had waited a little bit longer me and nick would be married right now <laughs> so cast comes out because him and nick used to be tag team partners i made a whole video montage of our like career together and um in the lead up nick changed his status on facebook to engage to tommy watanabe my grandmother oh my god my grandmother <laughs> was like tommy's engaged my grandmother the italian side of the family goes tommy's engaged and my mom went Mom, no, it's a storyline. It's, they're just, they're, they're faving everyone. My mom uses wrestling terms now. It's so funny. <laughs> and my grandma goes, you're fucking lying to me. No one tells me anything in this goddamn family. I just think you're having a ceremony. You don't want, she sounds like Linda Belcher. So yeah. that's all you need to know. So Nick's ex-girlfriends were hitting him up. What are you, a faggot now? You faggot now? What are you, AIDS now? And Nick Nick is hot too. Nick goes, Hey man, love is love. <laughs> love is love. It didn't affect his, his pussy game at all. Cause the dude got married shortly after him and I split up in character. So we have the thing Cass interrupts the wedding. You think that I'm going to turn against Nick. Nick pulls me in and hits a clothesline crowd is not happy. They're like, no, what's going on? he beat up all the bridesmaids. He beat up the minister. He <laughs> paradise is, Again, five foot one, Nick's like six foot one. She hits him with the bouquet. He lifts her up, like dead lifts her up into a power bomb and slammed her in the mat so hard that she stole all my thunder. I went through a table. Everyone was like, did you see Paradise go through the mat? And I'm like, fuck, dude, I got outshine on my own wedding. We had six months of feuding, but the problem was is they were like, we want to make sure Tommy can hang with the guys, which kind of irked me a little bit, right? It's mm-hmm. not my fault you guys booked me against the women. And I was just in the tag division with the men, so I don't know what you're talking about. So they're like, we're going to really test Tommy going solo against the men. It was all like supposed to lead up to like me winning and then going on in the main event, hopefully. Or at least like the mid-card for the belt. Well, we have a body bag till death do us part match. And instead of, ha- of of us being in the main, because we've been spending six months on the storyline, they relegate us to the main of the first half of the show before the intermission. So do you guess what happened? Everyone left after that match. Or the crowd was dead for like the rest of the show. Yeah. And we weren't even on the poster. They put a little fine print thing saying featured match till death do us part body bag match. I was pissed. I was so beyond pissed off, Brian. And, um, but I'm like, it's okay. We're just gonna, again, okay. We're not on the poster, but me and Nick are gonna kill it. Well, speaking of killing it, Nick's father dies like three days before the match. Oof. And everyone knows it now. And he dedicates the match to his father right before my entrance. And I become the de facto heel. Bro, bro. So guess what? He was like, I'm gonna take all these insane spots and go, oh, yes, you are. I like I, I hip tossed him off the apron onto the concrete floor. Oh. I oh I hit him with a barbed wire bat. I was pissed. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> um, it, and then we had um, a bunch of um we had uh, a group of podcasters who used to come to the show. They would review every show. 
What bothered me is I would listen to their podcast and they were fun to listen to until they got to me. And they would always talk about how great Nick was and kind of downplay me. They had Nick on to interview him about the show. And Nick is like, I will say this. I've had the best tag team partners ever. Uh, Kid Isaac, Paradise, uh, uh, Nick. Um, who else have I... I've team, those are like my three main tag team partners. Always took care of me. Always amazing to work with. Oh, and Jamie Lynn Senegal. Always great. Um, oh, and Michelle Morgan. Sorry. I'm, I'm forgetting names again because <laughs> Jamie kicked me in the head twice. So, um... um they interview him and they're asking him like da 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 about the fellow twins and Nick goes, oh, that was Tommy's idea. Nope, that was all Tommy. You know, hey, because he had known that they were kind of like burying me a little bit. And he was like, guys, like, no, that's like, oh, Tommy thinks of all this stuff. I just go along with it, you know, and da 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 And they're like, yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, but you, da 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 And it was like, hey. And it kind of was really disheartening. So we broke up. We, I win the blow-off match. Thankfully, they kind of gave me some flowers on the podcast where they're like, you see like Tommy burst into tears when he zipped Nick into the body bag like he didn't want to do it because I like wore the wedding ring and everything. And mm-hmm. I'm in theater. So I, I did, I, w- I also was upset because I knew, I legitimately was crying at the end of the match because I kind of knew. I'm like, this motherfucker's so over. He's the one who's going to the main event. I ain't going, I'm going to be back down here. And that's exactly what happened because I was back in the women's division right after. But I was like, I'm going to make it. Oh, and then China died after that. So it was kind of like I couldn't catch a break. So um, and then the the JC thing happened all within a month. Right. Mm. And they were telling me they have no idea what to do with me. They have no storyline ideas. Um, Nick was like the hot. Nick was so hot right now. They're like, we got to push him as the number one heel. And I, I understood. It sucks, but I understood, but I was in my feels. And then um, the JC thing happened and I I cracked. I had had enough. And then when Cass was like coming at me about like X, Y, and Z, and you shouldn't be yelling at the fan like this, I'm like, fuck you, you're blocked, you're done. I'm over it. And um, none of the people at UCW Zero fought for me to come back or took my side, except for the girls. Mm. and the and the wives of the wrestlers um it really it hurt a lot it upset me a lot um that was my my home so i left for a while i did a matter of pride two years in a row i did i worked with paragon pro wrestling um i took a lot of abuse from ricotaldo that was for sure um where basically he just just i don't know it was just weird i just took a lot of shit from everyone i don't know why and um eventually things got back on track when gabby got married and she's like i really want you out there for the wedding and so i went out there and Cass was there and he's like we need to have a talk because they wanted me to come back and then um i was going on vacation for something i was like i need to get away and my sister was my roommate at the time she goes why don't you go to salt lake and you got all sorts of friends up there you don't have to go wrestle go visit them so I was like, okay. And she was like, I think you should go wrestle for them. She goes, enough time has passed. I think that they'll apologize. So I said, I'm coming up to Salt Lake. I, you guys have the Rocky Mountain Rumble. You've got a spot. I'll do it because I'm already going to come up there. And uh, Cass goes, absolutely. You will have a spot. And then 10 minutes later goes, oh, in fact, you're going to be in the Rumble and you also have a match. 
And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then since then, we kind of talk about it because what happened is after I left, like the show after I quit, that same fan, JC, who no longer was going there anymore after this incident, spit, uh, not spit, he did something to one of the other wrestlers. And um, I think it was, his name was Bronson. And Bronson was is a very talented wrestler. He still wrestles up at New, in Utah. He, uh, they, they got into an altercation and Bronson spit on him. And rightfully so, they, they threw the guy out. And I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. We're going to side with Bronson, but we're not going to side with me when I told you this guy was a problem. So I think that they realized their mistake. Uh, or actually Cass realized his mistake because it was only Cass that I had the problem with. And we're friends. You know, I, I believe bridges can be fixed and fences can be mended. And so we had a heart to heart. And he was like, you didn't even let me finish explaining. I go, well, you sound like an asshole every time you talk. <laughs> What was I supposed to think? You knew I was going to react that way. And then um, when I came back, like, it was like I never left. The fans were like, oh, my God. Like, I got a welcome back chant. Um, it was great. And they threw it. And it, when I came back, I was with Paradise. And I was with Marty Daniels. And then they teamed us with a giant, like, Viking-looking dude named Odwin. And we all... <laughs> We all came up, me and the girls came out first and Odwin came behind us. He's like seven feet tall. And he goes, Team Diva. <laughs> I just started doing this and it was, it was fucking great. He was, he was amazing. And it, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I miss it so much. And um, uh, yeah, so everyone still trains up there. Stevie Slick, I think just wants to run big shows up there because there's a bunch of like little promotions that run now. So Mm-hmm. He's, it's kind of like you know he took COVID very seriously because he was a lung cancer survivor so he didn't want to risk getting sick again which rightfully so you know yeah and also they were raising the rent on the awesome building that they had and it just wasn't you couldn't sustain it so that, that's the good thing about Stevie he's always been a very smart businessman you know and Cass has always been a, Cass has always been a really good leader in terms of like keeping the talent together because he considers everyone family so it's really good mm-hmm. No, it's just amazing to hear about your experiences up there. For one, because like I wouldn't, you know, there's a good amount of the country I think that would not think like Salt Lake City having a wrestling scene. Yeah. At all, right? I, yeah. A yeah. fun rest, a fun wrestling scene. Yeah. Like it was, it's it's tremendous, and that was the thing too. Is a lot of out of towners would come up there and work for no pay. They just wanted to work there. And I loved their mat. Their their wrestling ring was so much fun to wrestle in and bump in. I always felt very safe um yeah and i mean they they basically gave zoe stark all her fundamental training you know Mm. she worked Mm. with a lot of talented people up there who before she ever went to fsw she got the basics there she got the pushes there she was you know she was one of their stars Mm. it's amazing to see where people come through and where you interact with these people that that are at these levels at this point now. Cause like, you know, another person who, you know, in like looking into, into UCW um, that I didn't realize that worked there because they worked under a different name was um, uh, Reagan Grimes who wrestled there as Angel Trinity. Yes. I, uh, um, Angelique Angel is one of my favorite people. Angel's kind of like someone I consider kind of like a kid, uh, one of my kids. Angel's so funny because of the fact that we had so much more fun outside the ring. Like we went into Martin Casals' basement 
me, her, Demetria, who was another wrestler, um, uh, la, 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 uh, Kelly Ward, who was, uh, oh my gosh, well, uh, CJ Stokely, um, also known as, um, oh my gosh, I'm Jamie's kick to my head is like messed up my memory. Helen something. Helen, I don't know. She had like an 80s gimmick. Anyways, we all go down in the basement along with our friend Victoria who did production and ring announcing. And we, it's dark. It's pitch pitch black. We turn on a, a, a ghost box and we're like laying in Victoria's bed because she was renting the room in the basement. It's, and it's like, oh my God, what's that sound? And then <laughs> Angel is the living embodiment of Tina Belcher. If I ever could describe her appropriately she just goes we, we see her hand come out of the darkness over like the light of the phone and she's like oh guys help me it's grabbing me and then like no one reacted no one laughed and she just like the hand disappeared she's like wow thanks guys no one <laughs> no one was gonna help me and then um paradise is picking us up somewhere we all uh, we were at the mall and i was like i'll race you to the car and and like I got lost. I thought the car was one way. And then like Angel zoomed by me. Like she's small. So she flew. And then Paradise drove up in the car with Angel in the passenger seat. And she's like, you forget where we parked? I go, yes, leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't know. But Angel was, ah, oh, that's someone else I want to wrestle again because she's grown so tremendously and really come into her own. And um really just embrace like everything that's unique and special about herself that I think wrestling her would just be so much fun now that she's like more confident. So mm -hmm. I love her. I, I adore her. I mean, I think that match was definitely something that I hope happens too. You have all these, these kismet moments uh -huh. in, in pro wrestling that would just be add to it right there. That would be another great addition honestly oh yeah um and she's been doing great stuff out in colorado you know and, and i hopefully we'll see her back out there again soon mm -hmm. but, but yeah um so you go to salt lake city you have like this wonderful like mostly positive experience for the most part while you're out there at what point when, in vegas do you start feeling like you are really starting to get your your due in that time like you mentioned big valley you mentioned bride style like when did when did that start to kind of change in terms of like how you saw yourself being treated in vegas uh bbw started um it was better in bbw right before the pandemic like ricky tenacious has always made sure that there was like a spot for me um i always had stuff on the card but it really picked up right before covid um the shade was in a really hot storyline with uh jay vidal and because i had used to team with shade i was kind of brought in as like the mouthy the mouthy best friend and so they had integrated me into the storyline just for funsies i was also selling the most pre-sale tickets for those like two shows um so ricky like made sure to like keep featuring me um would make me like the host every now and again um also, I wrestled Ricky in like a pajama party playhouse match, which was our take on the men's lingerie pillow fight. Um, I came out, he came out in the Christmas story bunny suit. Again, this whole match you can find online. He came out in the Christmas story bunny suit. I came out in my version of Tom Cruise's risky business outfit with like the underwear and the business shirt. Mm -hmm. um, we were supposed to have a gravy bowl match. And it got changed at the 11th hour by the venue. 
they told us we couldn't have it. But yet the night before they had a concert and the whole roller rink where they had the concert was doused in beer. So explain why we weren't allowed to use our thing. We should have just done, Ricky was like, we should have just done it and apologize for it later. So we had an inflatable pool, which we had to then convert. We turned it upside down and acted like it was a bed, but it wasn't fooling anyone. It was so dumb, but it was like, we, we had a fun match. And then at the end, I tarred and feathered him. Like I poured syrup all over him and then I feathered him. <laughs> and then, um, so it was, my stock was rising in BBW. I was always, I was always there, uh, but I was starting to get more and more, which was great. And then COVID hit. And it fucked the whole storyline with like the shade and Jay Vidal, which was like the hottest thing going at the time. And then, um, and then, um, um, that fucked it up. And then COVID, I, again, I'm going to say the things that we're not supposed to say. I loved COVID. Oh, minus, you know, all those deaths. Mm -hmm. uh, personally for me, what I enjoyed about COVID was I got time to just kind of decompress, relax. I, I was very fortunate that I was able to get my unemployment real quick and I had savings and I was okay. I know other people had a real hard time and I, I've always known who I was outside of being a wrestler, being Tommy Purr is not my only identity, you know? Um, other wrestlers had a real hard time adjusting. And those were the wrestlers who were always constantly like hacking at me, like you're not booked, you don't have this, you're not a name. And then you find out, well, without wrestling, neither are you. You know, I have theater, I have my art, I have other things that I do. You're kind of, you know, I'm sitting here watching you lose your mind because you can't wrestle because you've not, you haven't invested anything else into yourself. I feel like that would be my greatest takeaway and advice to anyone else, especially the kids. Don't just have a backup plan. You should always have a backup plan. But at the same time, it's like, know who you are before you get into wrestling. So, you don't believe that you you are your own character you know mm. get into wrestling knowing that okay if i wasn't wrestling anymore what else could i do what else would i be interested in you know um getting in get into it thinking what happens if there's a pandemic you know do i have another hobby or another passion that i'm into find that out figure that out and you will always be okay so many people, wrestling's it for them. And that's why they have bad mental health. That's why they get suicidal. That's why they get angry and upset. They turn to drugs and alcohol. It's because when the only thing that you love is taken from you or you are phased out because you're too old or you're injured or no one likes you and they don't want to book you, you get, you, you'll take that very personally. That's why like when, uh, I know a lot of people don't like Vince McMahon, but like when people are like, he just needs to leave WWE. He, that is his creation. Like if you and I, like if someone said, Brian, you need to get out of this podcast. Like this is your mm -hmm. podcast, man. Like if someone told me, Tommy, you need to stop drawing your cartoons. Like I created that. You're not going to take that from me. So I understand like the people are like, oh, this would be better without Vince. This would be better without Tony Khan. This would be better without this person. But this is like stuff that they've created. You know, you can't just tell someone who's a creator, walk away from your creation. You know, it's like saying, telling an adult, telling like a parent, walk away from your child. You know, it's very, so during the pandemic, I enjoyed it because I got to reaffirm I am more than just this wrestling persona. You know, I, mm. I, I have other things about myself that I need to show people. Um, 
I think we as wrestlers just get consumed by just showing them the wrestler side. Um, and because I think it's easier to show your wrestling side because you're afraid of what people might think of you if you show anything else of yourself. You know, if, if you're afraid of showing people that you have a brain or that you like to write or that you're religious or that you, I don't know, that you like to do, you like to balance your checkbook, you know, like <laughs> you're afraid to show people sides of yourself. So it's easier to be a heel or a baby face, you know? So I, I enjoyed the pandemic a lot, but I did not enjoy the fact that it kind of fucked BVW and a lot of the good storylines that were planned and they ended up losing that venue, which really sucks. Cause that was kind of like BVW rose out of the ashes of adrenaline unleashed. So for me, it was always very familiar and felt like a second home. And um, it was sad not seeing everyone like every Sunday, almost like, oh man. But then everyone like the shade does great things now. He he's doing great. Ricky Tenacious is doing amazing, which all the success is deserved for him. He's he's doing so well right now. Jay Vidal, I mean, need I say more about Jay Vidal? Um, yes. Exactly. I love Jay. And then um, and then we came out of the pandemic, and I tried to work a little bit with Versus, and that did not pan out how I was hoping. And but what happened is I met Millhouse, hmm. and Millhouse had seen my stuff and was like, "Why aren't you used more out here?" And I'm like, "Fucking beats me. <laughs> Don't know." <laughs> And so Millhouse is like, okay, well, I'm going to start this promotion. Would you be interested? Now, the thing is, is, I've heard this before. Heard it with Donkey Show. Heard it with Freak Show. Heard it with FSW. Heard it with this. Heard it with that. We're going to promise you this. We're going to use you. We're going to do this. We're going to do posters. We're going to do vignettes. We're going to do flyers. We're going to do this. Nope. 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 I don't know how many times I've had someone come out here and they're like, we're going to create a Vegas casino show. We want you to be the host. Or we want you to be involved. And then it just goes nowhere. You know? So I was like, okay, Milhouse, sure. Sure, buddy. I don't even know who you are, but we'll give it a shot. Came on as a commentator. And uh, I was like, well, I go, I want to be a wrestler or at least a manager or have storylines. But Jesus, if they're going to push me into a commentator role, whatever, I'll do it, you know? And then I enjoyed it. And then the fans were like, get back in the ring. Like, we want Tommy in the ring. So Milhouse <laughs> kind of was like, I was supposed to be like heel Jerry Lawler. I was supposed to be like a heel color commentator, but then we would have other commentators who were supposed to be play by play and we, they couldn't really, some of them, uh, and they were good. Mind you, they're all good. But the problem is, is no one would take a vested interest in like the names of the wrestlers moves, like their gimmicks, their pronouns, their this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, I'm like, what is the name of this move? So I can call it that. What would you like me to get over while I talk about you? You know, because I'm not play-by-play, -play, so let me bring up your history. Um, the wrestlers loved that. The wrestlers' main complaint about me was, Tommy's popping us in the ring. Every time <laughs> Tommy's talking, we're trying not to laugh or what have you. And um, then it was like, Mills, like, I got to make you face. Crowd thinks you're hysterical. You got to be face. We're going to put you in the ring now. We're going to do this. And so my stock started to rise more and more and more um it's it for a year i wasn't booked to wrestle in pride style because there were everyone was trying to get on the show and in millhouse uh, i see his creative process because he's my roommate and it's just like you have a list of wrestlers who want to be on the show and it's like it's 
this is not a knock on him. This has happened meaning it to me my whole career. Um, and I've said this to his face. So the knock, the, the, the criticism I have about my own career is that people go, Tommy will understand. And that's always been my curse with my family, with my bosses, with boyfriends, with friends, with promoters. Tommy will understand. Well, I'm done understanding, you know, 12 years in and I've never really had like you brought up Mariah, you brought up Shelly Martinez. That's like, that's 11 some odd years ago. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I go, where can I get my next big feud? Can I get my next big storyline that in the next 10 years when we're back doing this podcast again, and it's like, oh, remember that feud with like, with, with Black Swan or with, Brian, the supposedly number one Sable fan, you know, like <laughs> with Brian Baum. Um, it writes itself. <laughs> writes itself, right? Exactly. Although I don't think either one of us can get each other up for the Sable Bomb, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> that's what the turnbuckle's for. Thank you. I always do my power bombs out of the turnbuckle. Uh, <laughs> shout out to The Shade for being the first one to take the Sable Bomb from me. Uh, and he took it hard. I, I just dropped him out of the air like a safe. Uh, so, you know, um, my my biggest problem has always been Tommy will understand. Tommy's not, Tommy will be on the show, but we'll do the cockpit talk show segment instead which I own, by the way, that's my show. That was not a creation of Adrenaline Unleashed. That was not a creation of Versus. It was not a freak show or a UCW thing. That is Tommy Purr. I came up with that. That is my thing. Because everyone's like, we don't want to use it because it's from some other promotion. It's mine. It's part of the Tommy package. But in any event, um, it's like Tommy will understand if he's not in a match. Well, like a year went by and finally in the kitchen, I go, you know, you haven't booked me in a year. And he's like, what? I go, I haven't wrestled for you in a year. A year. I go, and you didn't book me last Pride. I was a book for Pride because you had nine matches already. And it was so funny because we're going over the match listing. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Millhouse, where's my match? And he's like, oh, about that. And I go, you're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> Bro. So now he likes to fuck with me. Every time like, every, like Pride came up, yeah, he came out. He didn't even tell me my match. He's like, "Hey, so about the show, I can't book you in a match." And I was like, "You can move out. Like, there's the door. Like, get out." He's like, "I'm just kidding. I, I swear, I'm just kidding. Here's your match." <laughs> and so it's really funny. But like, but that's been with everyone. Oh, Tommy will always be there. Or they call me last minute. Hey, can you come out here for the show? Hey, can you, hey, hey, so-and-so dropped out. Can you be here in 20 minutes? No, I used to be, and no, I'm not. No, I'm not going to be there. You should have fucking booked me from the beginning because I would have been there and I would have sold tickets and I would have told all my friends to be there. So I've reached that point now where I like have self-respect for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to say that Ricky Tenacious and Millhouse helped get me there because before, uh, you know, I didn't. You know, I didn't have, I would do anything for anyone. Um, um, I, not to say that everything's still rosy, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't get where this is going or I don't understand this or how come I don't have this, you know? Um, so when I see other wrestlers complain at BBW or Pride Style or sometimes when I pop in for training at FSW and I hear them complain, like, I wasn't at the show, I wasn't wrestling on the show last show. I'm like, no, but she wrestled at the four other shows leading up to that. 
I go, I live with the promoter. I wasn't booked for a year. Bro, <laughs> have a seat. Yeah. Just uh, be just be grateful and thankful that like you do have promoters now who care about their talent, you know? Uh Wes Logan cares about his people at versus. Millhouse cares about his pride style people. Ricky cares about everyone you know and uh, i mean that makes it sound like millhouse doesn't but no they all care about their talent okay <laughs> that's what i mean to say yeah you know yeah. And, and because like you know bbw and pride cell have a lot of the same talent like they're they're both very good about making sure everyone's happy or trying to accommodate them but it's that's where i feel like my stock started to rise was right before the pandemic ricky tenacious was really building me up building me up and then not his fault that there, a pandemic happened and then Millhouse had to come in, build it back up, build it back up, you know? But mm-hmm. again, when Tommy Purr is too good at something, suddenly Tommy Purr is taken off of here because some wrestlers were upset that I was outshining them. On Like if my commentary is outshining your match, then that's not a me problem. That is a you problem. But again, Tommy understands. So it's like, okay, you know, yeah <laughs> right it's like where do you go from there right You're like, okay <laughs> no you know? i mean i i do have one one last question for you but just like hearing about that like you know it seems like in talking to pro wrestlers and talking to people around pro wrestling there's this sense of it takes people a long time to recognize what they're worth what they are worth yes. right and it it's frustrating that it takes that process for like each individual to kind of go through to get to that point. And it's good that you are, you know, that's one of the key things that you're telling people now as they're coming up to recognize that more and more. And I feel like that time span from like beginning of career to recognizing that is getting shorter for a lot of people now. I don't know if you see that as well. I do. I do. Um, it's a fine line between egocentric and knowing your value though. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who are like, I'm worth more than this. And it's like, well, yes, some of you are, and some of you are not, you know, uh, I can appreciate anyone who says no to something in the ring. If you are not comfortable with a move, always say no. If you don't know how to take the move, ask to be shown it or flat out say no. There's still moves that I am not comfortable taking. I'm older. I'm heavier. <laughs> like if you caught me at 25, absolutely. Superplex, no problem. Now I'm like, mm, girl, you're lucky I, I can get into the ring without breaking my back or something. Um, which yeah, it's it, but there's there's some there's some people who who mistake knowing your worth for being a diva and also vice versa. So sometimes there are those divas who are like, Mm-mm-mm. I just know my worth. And it's like, no, you're you're being kind of a dick right now and overinflating your own self. And then there are those who do legitimately stand up for themselves like myself, who were labeled, you're being a diva. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just gotta know. Again, context is important. Like I did see it recently at the BBW show. I did see one wrestler, I won't mention name, properly say yeah we're not doing that move and i was like bravo thank (laughs) you protect yourself and your opponent if you're not comfortable doing it don't do it you know yeah do not do it Um, No, exactly yeah jamie was 
uh, trying to teach me how to do a springboard uh, Hurricane Rana off of the middle rope. Now, Brian, <laughs> I <laughs> you're already laughing. I already know, know where you're going with this. <laughs> do I look like I fucking springboard anywhere? Like, I'm going to state this. People think that when I have an excuse, it's it's me being like, oh, it's always been like that, blah, blah, blah. No, like, I've tried to do certain things. When I tell you my vertical jump sucks ass, it's not for lack of trying. Mike Modest tried forever to help me with this vertical jump. That's why I don't do leapfrogs. I, I've been headbutted in the dick so many times. It's just not going to happen. But I was like, you know what, though? Let's, let's try it again. So the problem is, is, without my glasses, I have really bad depth perception. Um, so... I was starting to see double of the middle rope as I was trying to jump onto it. Um, so that's why, did you go to the Loud and Proud show? No, I wasn't able to go to the Loud and Proud show. Okay, so I just did a springboard arm drag off of the bottom rope, which still like, hey, I'm like, you know what, no, next time. Like, we were starting to get the hang of the second rope, but I told Jamie, that, you know what, next time, second rope. It's okay. You know what? I learned a lot in an hour. Not a big deal. But still, people are like... Even Garth Wall, who who sponsors a bunch of wrestling shows out here, oh, even Garth is like, yeah, Tommy ain't getting up on that second row. But I'm like, you know, thank you. <laughs> like, I understand that that's not shade. That's just fact, you know? Yeah. But you never know. Like, we're going to try it next show. We're going to a little, little time each more, each more, get some confidence up. And one day I am going to do it. And people are like, the fuck? But I was like, nah, Jamie, I go, my leg does not go up this high to do a springboard any Hurricane Rana. And she's like six foot. So I'm like, no. I mean, could you be like five, seven? Maybe we could do this. So, um, but it, oh, if you're uncomfortable, say no. Uncomfortable with the storyline, you can say no. People are, young kids are always really worried they'll get blacklisted. You know what? Girl, I've been blacklisted so many times. They don't want to flat out say that we don't want to book Tommy because he's he just won't do what we say or he won't work with this person because we would rather have this problematic person than Tommy. And that's fine. I still went and I, granted, I didn't get to wrestle every month. Granted, I, there would be times where like I was treated like a joke. Not by my promoters, but by my peers. Um, he, he, there will always be wrestling and there will always be other promotions and other bookings. Just don't give up on the grind and just believe in yourself. I went out to Salt Lake City because I was like, let's just go. Why not? You know, Papa's going. And this is before Papa was Papa. He was still really awkward, Jace battle, really figuring himself out, very cookie cutter baby face. Let's go. What's, what's the problem? Let's go have an adventure with my friends. And look what happened, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it, it took off. Um, I've been, I've wrestled in Texas, California. I've wrestled in New York City. You know, and hey, you never know where any, where anything's going to take you. This person might blacklist you for speaking up, but gosh, I really wish like the speaking out thing was prevalent back in 2014, 2015, 2016, because yeah. all of us would have been used a lot more. You know what I'm saying? Um, back then, no one took things seriously. I spoke out a lot about a lot of stuff. And that's also what makes me mad about, and that's why I say Salt Lake City treated me better than Vegas. When I spoke out in Vegas, and I'm gonna say this, Milhouse wasn't here at the time, and Ricky Tenacious was still like a kid. He was still like underage and not really a promoter, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So they're exempt from this, right? I spoke out numerous times in Vegas. No one fucking listened to me ever, ever. Instead, it was like, give Tommy a match, he'll shut up. Mm. Oh, stop booking Tommy, he'll go away. And then I didn't go away, I went somewhere else. And this is also what pisses me off about the Vegas scene. Everyone acts like that I've retired. Everyone acts like I didn't do anything. But the fact of the matter is, is I went and I made a name for myself everywhere else, you know, and they used me and they trusted me. You know, I went out and I did full queer once and Marco, who I knew when he was just a fan on a Facebook group, Marco <laughs> held a meeting and said in front of everyone, fucking legendary Tommy Purse here and he will be in the main event. And that, to me, did not need to happen. He could have thrown me anywhere. I would have been grateful for it. It's his show. I am just here to help the cause. I felt so honored by that. That was not needed whatsoever. And But he knew the shit that I went through throughout my whole career. And he was like, and that's what also is, is funny is he's relatively new to being a promoter, right? Yeah, that it's only a couple of years in. Yeah, and all of my other friends who have this power outside of like Ricky and Millhouse, just no, no, why would we help you? You know, no, no, Marco was like, I have the power to make something right. So let me go ahead and do this for you. That almost made me cry. I was like, that is so sweet, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, but people like to act like I didn't do stuff because it wasn't in Vegas. It wasn't in Vegas. It doesn't count. Well, guess what? My YouTube views beg to differ, you know? The, the fans who were in my DMs asking for jobber squash matches or customs begs to differ, you know? Um, shut up, okay? And uh, people don't... I'm going to put myself over because no one else really does, but I'm sorry. Like, I, I help bring in sponsors, you know? I am helping to try and make sure that other wrestlers get paid at Pride Style as well. Yeah. So it's like, do you really want to piss me off? Because... Because after the great match I had with Jeannie Lynn Senegal and all that other stuff, I could foreseeably go, you know what? I'm good. Bye. I'll just take it with me, you know? But it's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of, it's like, no, I want to, I, I believe in Pride Style. I believe in Millhouse. He's one of my best friends. Um, I believe in our talent. Uh, not me and his talent, which I do believe in. I believe in the roster. We have some of the best people in Vegas wrestling for us we have some of the best out-of-towners and he's really created a platform for like god for like all these up-and-comers to really be seen and i think it's just it's just awesome it's just it's just so fucking great and people have options now in vegas it's not just fsw you know yeah which is great which is great and it helps keep everyone fresh you know like it keeps everyone fresh and it it makes uh joe try different things and push different people and it keeps ricky on his toes and it's just really great. What sucks is when everyone wants the same weekend to run a show. <laughs> That's what sucks. It's like, oh, I how, do we, how do we book this? But, uh, but um, um, a lot of there's there there are people in Vegas who are like, you know, this is my house. This is my house. But uh, Diana said it best at Loud and Proud in her intro when she introduced me. I am the prototype. I am the blueprint. I am the mold. I am everything. There would be no house if it wasn't for the foundation that I put down in Vegas. Um, And I'm tired of acting like, I'm tired of acting like I wasn't that. And I'm tired of people sweeping it under the rug like it didn't matter. 
So, and, and I'm sure there'll be people who listen to this and think that I'm self-aggrandizing myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it's like, well, if I don't matter, what do you care about my opinion of myself, you know? And also, uh, I'll hear from other people, you know, oh, well, we don't believe that. Well, you don't book me, you don't use me, you don't acknowledge me. So I'm going to make it so you can't ignore me now. So that's, that's all there is to it, you know? Oh, totally. There's a lot of power in that. Yeah. There's a I, whole I, lot of power in that. I, I, I empowered myself by taking off my clothes, by doing all the fun gimmick matches, by doing, yes. uh, by uh, repaying the women who paved the way for me and the women who inspired me. I'm like, oh, I'm now going to do this. Like, if it was good for them, I'll do it. That way, like, the men are now involved in this. And now I'm taking, I'm empowering myself through just telling people, no, I, I, you know, and I have to credit um, Zoe Dubois and Brian Baum and Jamie Senegal and Neon Cassius and Joey Mayberry and like all these younger wrestlers who were like, no, you are, you are that bitch. Like you are that trailblazer. So I would never have even contemplated contemplated that if they hadn't like told me that you know so it's just really good it's really inspiring so as much as i can give credit to like michelle morgan or Cass or mike modest or sin Bodhi, i give credit to the young kids for keeping me going really mm -hmm. i mean yeah. it's always like empowering to hear like that that new generation speak to you and yeah. remind you of who you actually are is it gonna yeah. it can be easy to get caught up and not like see that yeah for yourself yeah it's very much like being a parent you know mm -hmm. like if if I'm, I'm not a parent myself but you you keep going for your kids you know your kids are the reason for you living well these kids are the reason for like no tommy you got this keep going keep going keep going you know mm -hmm. yeah at least until so, you get your gravy bowl match until i at least until i get my great but you know honestly like i just i i just had this discussion earlier when your finisher has been given to you by Jake the Snake Roberts personally, mm. do you, I mean, <laughs> fuck, bro, <laughs> bro. I mean, there's nothing else. No championship. I think that's why I don't really give a shit about championships, you know? Yeah. It's because that's been the best thing ever. Did you know that's how I got the DDT as my finisher? No, I didn't. When I was working at FSW, we were doing freak show wrestling there. And I was wearing my little patent leather Sable Bomb shorts. And I had my Sable Bomb vintage t-shirt. And I had my Molina looking furry black boots on. And I was running by Jake Roberts, who's 9,000 feet tall. He had just gotten sober. And he had a he had a coffee cup. And he's talking to uh, Cutthroat Cody when he was crash test Cody at the time. And I want to say maybe Remy Marcel or Gregory Sharp. It was one of the FSW regulars. And so like... Cody's looking at him very like, I can't believe I'm being aged by Jake the Ro Jake the Snake Roberts right now. And I'm running by because Jake's very old school. And at that time, I've been conditioned to be like, ooh, older, cis, white male, old school, Appalachian looking dude. Probably don't like us queers, right? So yeah. I, had, I had to go past them. There was no way around them. I ran by and he turns, he looks at me. He's like, hey. I'm like, oh shit. I'm about to get gay bashed. I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, get over here. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh my God. 
oh my god and then i'm like yes sir and i'm looking at him he's like he looks me up and down he's like yeah nice legs and i was like uh and then he put his <laughs> arm around my shoulder and he pulled me in and he looks at the other two and he goes this guy right here is what i'm talking about i can only tell him what his gimmick is looking at him look at him look at this guy i bet he's a fun wrestler and he smacks me on the ass and called me sweetheart and then i was like now i know anyone else would be like i just got sexually assaulted by jake roberts so i'm like no i'm like oh my god jake roberts just stacked my butt oh my god <laughs> so um uh so we're talking in the back now i'm like oh my god he's like super cool and he's like he actually gave a compliment to cameron from the funkadactyls Ariana mm-hmm. andrews he goes she does a DT as a finisher the right way the way it's supposed to be done he's like and I'm, it's my finisher and they use it as like a transition move and that's not what it's meant to be and he looks at me and he points and he's like you need to do the dvt you're the perfect size. You can get a good weight on someone. You can make it look deadly. You should do the DDT. And I'm like, yes, sir. Because when Jake fucking Roberts tells you to do his finisher, you do his finisher until you can no longer wrestle anymore. <laughs> and uh, everyone thinks I do it just because of Lita. I'm like, nah, I do that because Jake Roberts told me to fucking do the DDT. <laughs> and the, the next year I saw him at Cal- Cauliflower Alley Club. Mick Foley was coming down the hallway surrounded by uh, security guards. And everyone's like, it's Mick Foley. Mick Foley, I'm like, I don't give a shit about Mick Foley. Sorry about it. Again, I'm going to say the things you're not supposed to say. <laughs> I look down the hall, and it's Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts with his coffee cup, his daughter, who's lovely, by the way. No security. Just a normal human being at the end of the hallway. No one's, like, crowding him. No one's even, like, approaching him. And I go running down the hall past Mick Foley in security. I'm like, Jake! And he goes... Hey, sweetheart, how you doing? Oh my God. And then he like <laughs> gave me a hug and then he introduced me to his daughter and he goes, he goes, this is what I was telling you about. Love this guy. This kid's freaking hilarious. And I, I, I loved, I was never a Jake the Snake Roberts fan before any of that. And now I'm like, he is absolutely amazing. What a sweetheart. Mm, that's an amazing story. Jake yeah, Roberts like, approved. <laughs> yeah, it, it, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, like I could have like five star banger matches with Sandra Moon for like six months straight and make all the appearances on television with her or whatever, right? Anyone would kill for that, right? Yeah. But or but I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I got the Jake the Snake story. Like I think that's <laughs> no offense to Sandra Moon, but I mean I can't keep up with her. She's phenomenal. So <laughs> I'm like, girl, I am gonna bring you down to my level. You Sandra, you just keep doing what you're doing go you are fine you are fine unless you want to wrestle in gravy so that's all i gotta say about that you know there you go whoever <laughs> wants to take up that challenge <laughs> right right you, you know what's gonna happen now you know what's gonna happen now someone mm. else is gonna have it on their show and it's gonna be two other gay wrestlers i'm like you it's gonna be brian bomb and someone else i'm like you little fucker I... <laughs> <laughs> What a bit, honestly, know, at this point, it should be just you and Brian Baum, but we'll we'll know, see. Uh, Marco, I know you're listening. Marco, there you go. full queer gravy bowl match. Me and Brian Baum. Boom, boom. I know y'all got an event coming up in August. Come on now. Oh, gee, they, <laughs> you know what? Oh, they 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 better hit me up now. I got my 20 year reunion in August. So mm. I'm already I'm already like spoken for for that weekend. It's my mother's 40 year high school reunion, which is in the same town that I graduated from which is my 20 year reunion. So we're kind of, 
it's weird because someone from her class married someone from my class. Oh wow. It, it's gross no it's not wow it's gross no. and well, then uh yeah it's more it's a disgusting wow it's like taking it back yeah yeah so we're going and it's my mom's birthday so we're going out for my mom's birthday and we're gonna crash her reunion and they're like oh tommy it's 80 dollars for the dinner at our reunion i'm like you can go fuck yourself like i'm gonna go i posted to everyone i go i'm gonna be at this restaurant i'm gonna get a table of 20 whoever wants to join me there we go People are bringing their kids, and I'm like, I don't care if Michaela has her dentist appointment that day. Don't post it in the reunion group. Michaela with like two Ks and E and I and G and H and apostrophe somewhere. No, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And for anyone asking, it's it's in Arizona. It's like half the city, so it's yeah, it's gonna be a not a fun time for me. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, I am the most interesting person going to that reunion. <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so tommy this has been uh an awesome chat an awesome conversation with you i greatly appreciate you coming on the show let her by know I'm where sure. they can oh sorry go ahead i'm sure after the first hour you're like wow Ooh, this is a long one today <laughs> hey you know it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me any i'm here for it all the time i love this stuff i love i love Talking to new people. I love meeting new people. I love getting to know people by doing the show. And I feel like the last two hours have been exactly that with, with you and I here. And <laughs> awesome. I adore it. Yes. So let everybody know where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Instagram mostly at the underscore man underscore diva. You can also pretty much find me on Facebook if you search hard enough. Um, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, the name is just Tommy Purr on YouTube. Uh, I host a little show called Tommy Likes It. Um, where I review toys, action figures, upcoming toy releases, uh, movie reviews, things of that nature. I have a Twitter, but I changed the name and I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's just the the Mandiva. It's all one word. But if you just type in, uh, the joke is my name on there is Thomas Olivier Purrington the Third Esquire because <laughs> Jamie Lynn told people my last name was Purrington for real, and fans really believe it. I they're like your last name's Purrington. I go wow y'all are dumb as shit but okay sure we'll go we'll go with that thomas olivier purrington which spells top so there we go there you um go. there you go and then um you can also find me on tiktok at the underscore man underscore diva so i do a lot of reactions there and fun stuff there too awesome well thank you again tommy thank you for having me it was an absolute pleasure My thanks again to Tommy for taking the time and coming on the show and sharing all those all the wonderful stories about his career and really showing everything that he has gone through to kind of build the path that he has in Vegas for so many uh, amazing talents. You know, Pride Style, Big Valley Wrestling versus Future Stars of Wrestling, like. Um, the Vegas scene is better for for having Tommy be in it, and I'm really hoping that he's able to get up to Salt Lake City again here soon. Um, not to mention the Gravy Bowl match. Someone's got to book it. Someone's got to book it at this point. <laughs> well, that'll do it for us here on the show this week. Um, make sure if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash lgbtringpod and uh, subscribe over there for uh Patron benefits like our bonus shows, which are the first episode of Required Reading, 
where myself and my very good friend Hollis are going to be looking at the last Daddy Standing match between Effie and Pero and uh, one of our favorite movies of all time, The Thing, uh, in conversation with one another in a way. Uh, that's going to be dropping here on Friday. Uh, and that's going to be only for the people that join the roster of lovelies over at our Patreon at the $5 tier. Um, and you know, if you want to join the roster of lovelies with such names as Val Capone, Alex E., and Jerry Legend, you can head over there and, uh, and support us there as well. It's been an amazing Pride Month this year, um, and it's always sad to see the month itself in, but it's just another reminder that pride is year-round. Pride is a year-round thing for all of us, and it should be treated that way. Um, and that's another, yet another reason why I love doing the show, is that it is another example of pride year-round for the pro wrestling space, as it fucking should be. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for us here. Come back next week for another episode of the show. But until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted, if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And don't give up the fight. Bye. She made a deal with the 